You're listening to episode 69 of the Urban Yogi Podcast, featuring Amanda Vollmer. Amanda Dawn Vollmer is a 46-year-old mother who holds a degree of Doctor of Naturopathic Medicine from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto and a Bachelor of Science in Agricultural Biotechnology. Most of her life, Amanda has taken a keen interest in botanical medicine, self-educating on the topic many years before attaining her formal medical training. Amanda also sought answers via the energetic healing arts and became a registered Reiki practitioner and teacher, among other modalities. Amanda is the author of Healing with DMSO, a science-backed guide that will help you understand how DMSO works, why it works, and the many ways you can harness its power to heal your aches, pains, and other ailments, all in an easy-to-read and friendly way. She owns and operates Yum Naturals Emporium in Ontario, Canada, where she designs and produces hundreds of handcrafted all-natural body care remedies since 2012. You can check her out at yumnaturals.store and yummy.doctor. It was so awesome to get to sit down with Amanda and chat for almost over three hours, actually. And we covered everything from dental health to healing the inner child to getting clear on what germs actually are. And we talked about pleomorphism, which is the fact that germs, so-called germs, can actually pleomorphize, transform, for example, from a virus particle, what mainstream would call a virus at least, into a mycobacteria, into a fungi. Uh, back and forth. Uh, Nothing is set in stone in this universe and it's so beautiful to learn different ways of understanding the human body so that we're not constantly fighting against it because we realize that what you push against you strengthen. So instead of fighting against all of the different microbes in our bodies and in our world, we realize we're actually 10 to 1 microbe. So that, that means for every one human cell that makes up our being, we are actually made up of 10 microbial cells of what the mainstream would call viruses are actually exosomes, are uh, somatids. And she gets into the nitty gritty of all the different understandings that have been buried largely. Uh, but it's such a great time to be alive because now in the Aquarian age, we are unearthing this wisdom and we are learning to really live in harmony with our microbes and see them as more sort of like solvents and um, especially in the in the respect of so-called viruses they're solvents and it's kind of like instead of blaming the flies for the garbage we see them for what they truly are and get more and more and more to the root the root cause of things so i hope you enjoy this juicy interview with amanda Vollmer. oh i love your outfit thank you it's uh, actually my daughter's. It's getting oh. already to that point where we're sharing. Stuff. How old is she? Nine. Oh, wow. <laughs> How tall are, are you? Very petite. No, I'm uh, 5'10, 5'9 and three quarters. Okay, cool. And she's five foot now, almost close to five feet. So nice. she's, she's like got size seven feet and everything. She's just going to be a, a very tall woman. Wow. And you, you have just one kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. nice. That's all I could manage with my schedule. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. You are a very busy lady. Um, well, right off the bat, um, I was listening to a podcast uh, that you were in, and you were doing this sort of inner child sort of healing meditation on the beach. And I thought that would be a kind of a cool way to start the podcast. Just maybe do that 
collectively together because I feel like a lot of people could benefit. Absolutely. Yeah, we can do that. And mm-hmm. well, anytime you do, I just have to um, turn off my phone here. Anytime we do a meditation, obviously, it's best to, to ensure that your, you know, your surroundings are not going to be interrupted and that you feel comfortable. And, and I usually suggest either some light music or something that can always bring your focus back. But um, but breathing and focusing on the breath. So if you take two deep br- breaths, just cleansing breaths, and just on the out breath, the intention is to just let go of anything that doesn't serve you in this time, anything that you know you can release. And later, if you really feel you're going to need it, you can pick it back up again at the end. But for now, you just let everything go. Each out breath, just release and let everything just sink deeper. Relax your muscles. Everything is fine. You're safe. You're protected. You can place a bubble of light around you if that feels good for you. And it's a beautiful place that I want you to find in your mind. If you can imagine whether it's a sacred forest or whether it's a beautiful beach setting or it could be a room inside a house, doesn't matter where, but it's a place designed specifically for you. It's a beautiful lovely safe space that's very comfortable it has all the right sounds and and smells and and sensations and it's just for you and so i want you to imagine that you're you're in that space now and you're enjoying it and you're looking to around the space and it's sunny and it's beautiful and you just feel really happy to be in in this place and i want you to imagine yourself at a specific age, um, say around six, seven, eight, the age it can be as specific as you need it to be, or it can be general, but imagine yourself, your child self, and in the room walks your child self. And I want you to uh, look at each other in the eyes and just gaze at each other and, and just recognize each other and honor the fact that you've met and how exciting that would be if you from both sides imagine you were a child and you got to meet yourself when you were older and what that would feel like and also being older and meeting yourself going back in time and seeing yourself as a child and whether you want to sit down next to one another whether it's on a bench or on a cushion or on a couch or if you want to stand but approach your, your child self now. And I want you to, to either crouch down and make sure your eyes meet so that you're really face to face with your, your own self. And I want you to imagine whether you say it aloud or whether you say it in your mind is of no concern, but I want you to say to the child, hey, and say your name. So sit, so acknowledge your child by your name. I'm so happy that you're here. And I really want to acknowledge everything that you are and how amazing and perfect that you are just in this space just now. There's nothing of any part of you that is not divine. Everything that you are is absolutely perfect. And I want to say to you that from this moment forward, I promise you, I give you my sacred oath that I will be here for you. I will never abandon you and I will protect you. 
from this moment forward. And this is my divine and solid oath to you. And I am sorry. I am deeply, deeply sorry for any time that I've ever abandoned you, abandoned you and left you alone, made you feel that you were unworthy or left you in a situation where you were unsure or uncertain or frightened. I'm deeply, deeply sorry for leaving you. And I'm here now and I will never leave you again. I will never abandon you again. And, and what you can imagine now is as saying these words to yourself of love, pure, complete, unconditional love coming from your heart to your inner self, to your beautiful, gentle child self. You can imagine now that your, your child self is just beaming back at you and extremely relieved and just so much lighter and so much happiness coming off of your, this beautiful child, this child made in the image of God perfectly, meant to experience life in all its fullness. And I want you to embrace this inner child and just hold and hug the child, hugging your inner self until you can imagine that this inner child dissolves right back inside of you, which has really always been a part of you, always been with you. And that you've made this oath and you intend to keep this oath going forward. And any time that you feel uncertain or any fear comes up or anything that you experienced as a child that you still feel like you're playing out in your reality now, I want you to remember this time and I want you to come back into this beautiful safe space, this beautiful place that you're in now. And I want you to emerge the inner child once again and have a conversation with him or her about what you're going through. And just listen to the wisdom of the inner child and know that you can always acknowledge and you can always ask for forgiveness and it will always be granted because there is no mistake that you have made that is bigger than the love of the divine. There's nothing, there's nothing there that you have done wrong. So with that in mind, you can get up and move around in your space again, start to move away. Perhaps there's a door, perhaps you walk back from where you came and knowing that you're, the space is always here, it's always there for you. You can very gently come back into the existing body you're now in your space and take a few deep breaths again. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Wow. Oh, thank you. That was you're really welcome. Cool. I was like, whoa, <laughs> waterworks. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. Usually you'll cry like a while <laughs> off of that one. Um, which is, it's perfectly, it's perfectly healthy to have that expression. Cause imagine how many people they've, they've grown up with a damaged inner child and no one's ever said that to them or acknowledged them, you know? Mm-hmm. So it makes me think of like the Piscean age, you know, which apparently ended in 2012 and now we're in the Aquarian age, which is supposed to be a bit of a lighter age. 
you know, and in the, in the Piscean age, we were all sort of conditioned to hate ourselves and, you know, you're not allowed to make mistakes. And if you do, you have to really beat yourself up. Whereas now it's like, oh, the better you feel, the more you allow and the more you can serve and you don't have to hurt yourself anymore. Mm -hmm. You never did, but it's like now that we're in this new age, more of us are waking up to that fact that we came forth for joy, not to hurt ourselves when we're not perfect. Yeah, it's definitely an age. The Piscean age was very emotionally um, erratic. You know, we were really feeling out emotions. We were, we were traversing the entire spectrum of the emotional expression, being in a, in a Piscean, you know, sensitivity, and which is also like as big as the ocean as far as impact, right? And right. now that we've we felt the things we wanted to feel, now we're coming into an age of reason and wisdom. And we're now concretizing the emotion and putting it into physical practice. And how can we master the mind? How can we perfect now the mind aspect? We've done a lot of emotional damage that we have to heal through by working, by working. the mind correctly. Right. Back. I might put. I might just put my. No worries. I'm just gonna check things in. There we go. That should help. Awesome. So I was listening to uh, David Wolf the other day, and he said, science only progresses by funeral. Um, because, you know, everything has to be peer reviewed, everything has to be the scientific method, although they don't even use the scientific method, many studies, at least that, you know, for example, and all the HIV drugs, there's never been an actual carried out double blind randomized placebo controlled study ever done. Um, so they don't even use the scientific method oftentimes. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, sort of tying back into meditation and the Aquarian age, um, what are some other ways to know things besides like, the scientific method in your experience? Well, I mean, we, the scientific method to me is an observational one, one about taking in information and trying to think it through. But of all the ways to know things we have, our, people will say, you'll hear them say, oh, I, I feel it in my gut. You know, I feel that my gut is telling me something or, or people will say, my heart, you know, I feel it in my heart that that's right. Or, um, or when I'm meditating, for example, you can feel a pressure in the forehead area. Mm -hmm. I know I get that all the time in meditation and I what attribute that, you know, to the third eye in pressure happening where I've activated it. I've, it's, it's in operation. I'm accessing some higher part of myself. Mm -hmm. So you know, there's a really cool book I have to get. I, I don't know the author off the top of my head. It's really old. It's it's like from the 60s or 70s. And it's a it's called uh, it's it's basically a sensory book where you massage people and you do use a lot of touch and you close your eyes a lot. And you're really about, about trying to feel and and get that heightened sensation. You have like you'll have like a group where they're all outside in the grass and they're all touching you in different places and stuff and they're trying to like stimulate all your senses, right? Nice. So it's that's another sensory effect you can have by just opening up parts of your nervous system that maybe have been dulled or have been not, you know, exercised properly. And we are a multi-level creature, you know, we have 
all kinds of aspects of knowing. Like I can, I can close my eyes and I can just walk into a room and I can use my nose and I can smell all kinds of things and I can then pinpoint what's going on in that room. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't have to use my eyes to know things, right. People who have blindness, they'll, they, their other senses will turn on and they'll be able to pick up other things. But then there's our intuition. There's our deeper knowing there's, there's deeper connection to things that you can't actually even explain when you go through those experiences. Like sometimes I'll get instantaneous knowing so there wasn't, what I'm saying is there's not a thought process where I was like deducing and trying to rationalize a thought process. I wasn't in contemplation. It's just an automatic, I know that. And at first I wasn't sure what that was, but over time I'm realizing that that is one of your higher self processes that just gives you instantaneous knowledge from the collective and yeah. that you can honor that and you can listen to that. And it will, you know, give you a lead on some information or, and as you, as you trust that it will build in. But so there's, there's all kinds of ways of knowing there's different, all our senses can all be changed the way you know something. Um, and then we have our inner knowing our higher awareness through meditation and accessing the cloud, if you will, of, of humanity, of the Godhead of, of, of all and through frequency as well, we can know things um, and, and sound and all of these types of uh, sensations can bring memories, can bring thoughts. Um, and also through our, our deeper uh, instincts knowing, you know, like that right. doesn't feel right, you know, that sort of sensation. That's like the gut knowledge, right? That just doesn't feel good to me. Right. So that, and then the more you honor it and the more you work with it, the more that comes online and, and becomes more valuable for you. So just like everything in this world, it becomes a practice that you need to, to um, have a discipline about. That makes total sense. One of the reasons why I ask is because when I was about eight, uh, my father's a psychiatrist and um, Pfizer took him for a a nice fishing trip of lo a lot of psychiatrists to some sort of convention up at painter's lodge in Canberra river. And he was allowed to take some of his kids. So he took me and one of my brothers and in the ballroom basement of the uh, hotel, I just remember this drug rep or somebody at the front and they had all these different easels of different women, like pictures of different women. And they were trying to decide which woman would sell the most of their latest antidepressant. And I was, I kind of snuck in and I was kind of looking at all these like middle-aged predominantly, you know, white men with the drug wrap and the easels and the sad looking women, like one looked kind of pensive, one looked really sad, one looked kind of melancholy, like just different versions of sad. And I was like, something's really off here. Like, it doesn't feel very good to me right now. Um, and that's sort of like the first taste I got of sort of the allopathic system and how it really is in so many ways a cult. Um, and it was scary for me, like being eight years old and seeing that, you know, and God bless my dad, you know, he's a great listener and he's kind of deviated away over the years from, you know, just pills, pills, pills. And now he's like more of a good listener. And I took him to a meditation conference and he actually got credits, I think, from the Canadian Medical Association for attending, which I thought was a step great step um so anyway when i was that age i was like something doesn't feel right and um when i came across your work it felt so right <laughs> and i was like i just need to i need to to meet this woman and i got your book and i made some dmso hair growth formula for my thinning hair and it seems to be helping 
And so, yeah, long story short, I'm just learning to like tap into my intuition. And for a few years there, I kind of got into cocaine and alcohol and it wasn't a good scene. Um, and then I've been free from, you know, those kinds of drugs for about three years and I haven't been drinking for about nine months. And I've noticed sort of like a, a greater ability to intuit what is right for me moment to moment. And um, I feel like a lot of doctors, like I'm friends with a lot of allopathic doctors because I teach at a bunch of country clubs yoga and I get invited sometimes to sing at certain parties and it's like they're all drinking and I'm like, you're an eye surgeon. Are you going to be like doing your eye surgery on somebody tomorrow and you've been drinking all day, like day drinking into the night? I'm kind of like, whoa, how subtle is, is somebody who's, you know, constantly drinking and then doing eye surgery. So anyway, I don't want to bash people, but I've just come to realize on my own journey that certain substances may kind of pinch one off from that subtlety. <laughs> yeah, you have to be really, um, there are substances that substances that are used obviously to enhance or to have different altered states um, to gain insight, right? So LSD has been used like that psilocybin, um, THC, you know, these sorts of things. We, we know all kinds of shamanistic types of, of drugs and, and uh, experiences you can have as well to sort of get a shift on your perspective to gain you an insight. And perhaps the occasional drink could, could do that for someone. Um, I think the problem with a lot of these um, drugs though, is that they're not meant to be used over and over and over. They're used to alter your state for a reason for either reflection for some sort of, um, introspective experience. Like it, you know, if you had a, a scotch, not that I'm, I recommend alcohol because it's, it is a class one carcinogen. So I don't recommend that as a drug to use that way but say your rationale was you wanted to have a one ounce of a scotch, whatever, where you sit and you sip it and you be, and you read and you become contemplative and it calms you and it makes you go into that space, but you only do it as a ritual, like once every three months or something like that. Right. So, but you're doing it with purpose. You're doing it with meaning. Why are you doing it? You're not just doing it just to get, you know, shit faced, you know, for lack of a better word, or, or just to like party. What's the purpose of that? I never quite understood the purpose of that because I wanted my faculties. I wanted to to always be goal oriented in my reality, and I didn't like getting that uncontrollably altered, where I felt uh, almost unsafe, right? And was and it opens up a lot of your fields. And so, if you're imbibing in spirits, right, you can really get a lot of hook-ins and a lot of tethers and pick up other people's emotional fields. And if you go beyond one standard ounce of of alcohol per per day. Um, then you're going to do liver damage. And if you do liver damage, then you're going to cause an angry experience because liver is the seat of, of anger and rage in the body. And so, you know, usually the next day you'll get, like if there are people drinking a lot, they'll get an alcoholic sort of rage and they can even become violent, right? Because that's the liver trying to blow off the damage and it affects the emotional field. And so, yeah, there's, there's bad energy, like, you know, I don't like going to parties where there's alcohol. If I were to ever go to a party, I, I'd be okay with a little bit of marijuana done properly and some LSD or some, something, mushrooms or something like that, where it's just a little more loving. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know? but Have Nick, ever, oh. Yeah. Have you ever tried Kratom? Kratom? Yes, I have Kratom. I have used it. I, I don't have pain syndromes in the way that 
kratom would really touch and i've never had an opioid like you know i've never really used much of opioids before but it is very useful for people who are trapped in an opioid um, addiction mm-hmm. to try to wean off of that and go onto it's like a jet, more gentler opioid um, i haven't used it for alter in any kind of altered state kind of manner i know there's different all kinds. I mean, the lists are on and on. There's galangal. There's all kinds of different ones you can even um, use as an incense. Yeah. Um, Galang- I didn't hear that. Delangal? Galangal. G-A-L-A. Galangal. It's a type and of that, herb. It's a root. And uh, it you can burn it like an incense and get, sort of get a deeper meditation. Um, so I played around with a bunch of different ones that I was interested in. But it always came back to just, I'm more interested in, in like DMSO or, you know, I always came back to like MSM or, or fulvic acids or these sorts of things. And so I never really went all the way there. And I didn't even do like some of the more, and I've not licked a frog or any of that stuff, (laughs) but I think it is important for people. Like I almost wish there's a movie called, I think the sunshine coast or the sunshine something with sunshine and it's about LSD where they were like importing the LSD and the hashish from India. Then they were, they basically their philosophy is like, if everyone could just have a dose of LSD, the whole world would be changed. We would, we would awaken and we would be, you know, in our age of Aquarius and we, you know, that sort of thing. Right. And there's something to that because I think a lot of these people who are drinking in front of the television trapped in like a mind meme, from of propaganda and fear, they're very sick in there and they need a shift in perspective, right? So if someone would just dose them, <laughs> maybe we would get out of this mess a bit quicker. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I found Kratom in my journey has been helpful uh, in getting me off of alcohol. And I'll usually have a little bit around four or 5 p.m. And apparently like in places like Bali, the, the village people who use it, they'll make a strong tea out of it. They'll brew it for four hours and combine it with water and kind of just have it all day, every day. And there's certain strains that give you more energy. It's part of the coffee family and certain strains that are more sort of pacifying. And yeah, I find it really, it really has brought me into my body more. Um, and I make really good decisions when I do Kratom versus things like alcohol. So it's it's been helpful for me. And of course, it has to be done in a ceremonial thing. I like how uh, Shaman Wendy Mandy says anything done outside of ceremony, she says, including sexuality is not good for humans. And I would add, you know, plant medicines and things of that nature. So intention is always key. So I definitely, definitely agree. Um, and then, you know, I want to talk a little bit about sort of um, all these sort of different perspectives on medicine, uh, especially um, like what viruses are. And I thought you would be the perfect person to delve into this with, because, for example, Dr. Zach Bush, I've heard him say things like mm, viruses are packets of information. For example, COVID in his belief system is a you know, a genetic upgrade from Wuhan, which is the dirtiest place in the world. And, you know, we should all have, you know, unmasked and gone into public parks and had big family celebrations and hugged to get the genetic upgrade. So that's sort of one kind of thing. And then Dr. Andy Kaufman, and I've been studying Germanic new medicine for about eight years. The whole belief is, or the understanding is that viruses don't exist, but if they do, they play a beneficial role in the healing phase of like a two-phased biological program that was initiated by an unexpected shock to the psyche that caught the organism off guard. Um, that created, you know, a concentric ring circle in the brain 
and the corresponding organ is, might, depending on the severity of the, the shock, might go through some sort of survival mechanism. And then the viruses would come in and start to rebuild tissue um, that was broken down during the stress phase uh, of the dis-ease of the biological program of nature. So there's that sort of understanding. And then I, you know, I'm hearing other people say, well, it's like a war and, you know, they've created bioweapons and they put an extra spike protein and it's just going to come in and, and kill you. And there's an HIV here and there. And, you know, somebody, somebody sent me that last night and thought, well, I'll ask Amanda about that because I asked my Germanic new medicine teachers and they're like, well, that's never been proven. Uh, so yeah. What, what are, what's your sort of take on all these different sort of understandings? Yeah, and that's a great question. And there are many theories, and it's important to keep in mind that the germ theory itself is still just a theory, um, and and that these are ideas, right? They're not written in stone. We there we go. I did an interview with the, those uh, two wonderful Don and David. So good. For those of you listening, I'm just showing the book "What Really Makes You Ill" by Don Lester and David Parker, and Amanda did a great interview with them that you can watch on both their website and on Amanda's website. Amazing book, really worth the read. It's a heavy read. There's a lot of information to pile through. It makes your brain think differently. And just like how we're talking about altered states by getting sort of unstuck from a belief system that you're toiling inside of and how we even started this whole podcast with you know getting a shift into visualizing an inner part of your core self that's been injured that you carry with you, right? And shifting that. Um, all of this is about constantly turning, what my spiritual teacher used to say is turning over the sculpture of your life, continually looking at it from every single angle. And then you'll notice, oh, I missed a spot there and let's etch that out. No, let's get it in a different light. Oh, I have to etch that out. And so it seems to be a theme of our conversation. And I always look for patterns and I always look for themes. And that's one thing that I've trained myself to do in, in my life. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people miss is finding patterns like in their reality because it helps you to um, pay attention to something where you're trying to get uh, some information inside of, of you that's trying to teach you something or help you grow or see some aspect of yourself that is shrouded or, or still silenced in you. And same thing with all all knowledge. So knowledge of, of germ theory versus terrain theory and other modes of healing. Um, I mean, I was trained and also very naturally in my thinking was very holistic where we're all one, we're one organism. So it works as a whole. So when something happens, we if, if there's a symptom up, you know, in your face area and you have a symptom in your toe, those two are actually related. It's not, there's not two different things going on. It's a whole, the whole body system is involved and that helps me in my thinking and in my um, uh, understanding is, as, is to see and recognize patterns through that paradigm. So if you correct the paradigm, then you get the knowledge. And But if the base paradigm is incorrect, then all the knowledge you're building on top of it will also be incorrect. Like the germ theory says that, you know, these are, uh, there's one microorganism that causes one disease. And if you get exposed to it um, and your immune system is not ready for it or whatever, then you're going to get it and you're going to give it to others. That's the germ theory belief system, right? But that's not, um, that's just a paradigm of belief that doesn't actually, when you, when you really go into the roots of it, it doesn't hold water anymore. And it never really sat quite right with me as a holistic practitioner anyway. Uh, first of all, it's way too fear-based. Uh, something's randomly out there ready to get me at any point, be, be afraid, you know, hole up, don't live your life freely. Don't 
don't live in the moment or anything, you know, and just always be in fear of the future. Uh, that's really no way to live. And and then so the model didn't work for me, but also the information was like energy wise, it wasn't fitting in. Like, where does all the vibrational stuff fit in? Where does um, all, how all the organ systems work in? Like if you study something so elegant as traditional Chinese medicine, how does how do the meridians fit into this story, right? The immune system, they, they put it as like a war-like analogy. I mean, we learned this in medical school. And it's like, they're fighting and you got to get back. It's all battle analogy. And I'm like, this just seems archaic <laughs> and is also the smallest course of all the courses because it's so there's hardly any real data to go with because it's, it's really a baby idea um, that, that also couldn't grow that well because they're just recycling back on their same ideas. And so eventually that will fade away and the real truth will start to rise to the top because truth will rise over time. It'll always come through the ages eventually. As much as you try to suppress it, it will always pop back up again at some point because that's the nature of truth. So that's the good news. But then we have all these different particles we're talking about and all these different analogies and all these different theories about what they all are. And we have to be very careful because we can't confuse the different ones with, right? Because so we have things like phages, which are you know, basically um, changed particles from bacteria. And we have, we'll have like um, cells, like what Andy talks about, like exosomes, right? Where you have like blebbing off of, of cells and cellular waste. And a lot of the pictures that we're seeing coming out where they call it a virus isn't a virus, it's just a picture of an exosome and you can't tell the two apart, right? So you have to be very careful. But the cartoons they're showing us, what, where are they getting those ideas from? And that can be explained through with just blebbing off of the cell. And then we have what's called the somatids or the microzyma or the, the lineages inside the body that actually come off of the red blood cell membrane that, uh, you know, uh, Gaston Nesens identified and uh, Antoine Beauchamp identified and Royal Raymond Reif did and many others, you know, were looking under the corrected microscope in the living blood and seeing these pleomorphic or particles that are changing shape depending on the job they have to do, the milieu or the solution they're in, the pH of that. Robert O. Young talks a lot about pH and how that changes the, the patterning of the lineage that's inside your body that is not there to hurt you. It's there to try to repair cells, get rid of waste, repair DNA or RNA. And that's what those the littlest cells tend to do that were, some people will call viruses. So if you you find some of those particles, you could call that a virus. So you could call it exosomal virus. You could call a phage virus, which are just really big viruses or the biggest of the viruses is how they do it in their fake phylogeny, which also is a whole bunch of, <laughs> you know, weird theory. Evolution is still a theory, right? All that stuff. So then, and then we have the somatids, which are almost wholly ignored in, in the modern medicine, you know, establishment because they don't know where to put that. They don't know how to do that because if you have a bacteria that can change into other, other bacterial forms or into a fungal form or into any other shape, and it changes shape based on the, the solution you put it in, then you're going to have a lot of, you're going to have to correct a lot of science based on that, that really deep mistake. And I don't think they're ready for that mistake yet, because that's a lot of undoing. That's a lot of <laughs> big correction for them. And so, so there's work to be done. There's in this, whatever age that's coming for us, there's a lot of reconstitutional work to be done. So unearthing all the stuff that has been hidden from us for so long, that all has to be brought 
up into the light and be presented properly. And then we have all this further science that has not been done to do. And some of that science will be about these cells and, and watching the living blood and understanding what's happening there. We have the Bigelow brothers who are doing holographic blood. They're literally taking pictures of the living holographic blood and they're finding like pictures that are showing you what's happening in the body. So for example, if you have a broken femur, right, then in the blood, they'll take a snapshot and they will find shadows and things that will look like a broken femur in the blood, right? Uh -huh. That's that's mind blowing. So we, we're just on a precipice of really understanding all of these things. And I'm not going to pretend to know everything about everything because I, I don't think that's the right approach to ever come into knowledge. No, ever don't humble, humble yourself. Always don't ever come in with ego. Don't ever come in assuming, you know, everything, because that's how you lose everything. And that's how you never know anything. Empty your vessel every time and you will be filled empty and let it be filled. Let the, let the knowledge come to you. Cause it's already there. So we're not so, we're not so special. We're special, but not that special in the fact that we don't, you know, we, we just can access stuff, right? Like we're not inventing the wheel here. This is, this is just universal knowledge that we pull through. And so if you're empty and you think, and you, you come in innocent, then you will be given the knowledge. You will be entrusted with the knowledge. And that's how I see it. So that if I want to understand what's happening in the body, I can put all those things together. I can understand the holism. I can understand germ theory doesn't seem to work at all from the science. I know there's these other cells in the body. I know they're not there to hurt us. And I know that waste particles or breakdown particles are naturally going to come out of our body. And the debris in which that comes out of our body, if you take that and you add all these concoction of other chemicals inside of it and you, you try to grow it on like kidney cells and in a Petri dish and stuff, whatever you think that is, that is not what came out of the body. Okay. So you can go and do all your science based on that and call it that and try to link it to disease, but it is, it's garbage. It's not, it's not fact. It's an idea that has been taken and altered before it has made its rendering and its decision. So that's not really truth to me, but we do know we have specific other particles that are pretty much ubiquitous in our environment. They're in the oceans, they're in and on everything, they're in and on through us. We have, who knows, do we have thousands of little particles inside us? We have hundreds of thousands of particles inside of us and they're not there to hurt us. And if you do hurt them, then the body gets sick. That we know. Mm -hmm. So it's a really big discourse. Like I would love to write a book where we talk about all these particles in fine detail and beef it up with all the science and then really highlight the gaps in the science that need to be done. I think that's an important work for us going forward. Thank you for that. Okay, so just to appease my friend, this, is, this was his thing. It's interesting how apparently Bill Gates and the US government have a patent on COVID which is weird because you can't patent anything that is natural. So you would assume that they patent the variant. So he was saying, well, there must be a variant because there's a patented virus and it's some bioweapon. So what would you, how would you respond to that? Um, well, I, I always become the bio, only bioweapon can be what they inject into you. You can't bioweapon the air. You can poison the air and hurt people. So you could put like cyanide in the air, you could put a really toxic chemical in the air and that would kill life, right? But they have to be careful with that because they'll kill a lot of life and it's kind of obvious. Bioweapons as for like biological weapons, the only biological weapons I've ever seen are called vaccines. Mm -hmm. um, 
So you can't just float something in the air and then it's going to somehow get into you or hurt you. Um, you could probably do some creepy stuff with some mold maybe that makes a, like a harsher toxin. And then, you know, you, if you live in poor environment, then the, you could have like a sick house where your, your air and your space is not healthy and you get like problems because a lot of people get sick from mold, for example. It's actually a way bigger problem and risk factor for ill health than whatever this whole virus discussion is, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the patent, of course they patented, they have to manufacture the thing. They manufacture it in order to patent it so they can own the rights to it so that when they put it in the biological weapon called vaccines, they get the money for it. So that's all that a biological weapon is. And they literally make it out of a computer. So it's like snippets of, of RNA or DNA that they get from GenBank and the rest is just compared with other so-called viruses and then they just fill in the blanks with a computer program. That's literally how they made this, this CV virus. I see. So the patent wasn't to uh, have some sort of airborne, uh, you know, killer. <laughs> it was the, it was to patent something to put into the vaccine. Correct. Exactly. And yeah. That's why they did some sort of splicing of something. Yes. Yeah. That that's was, what uh, natural. And then they turned it into something that's going to hurt people through this vaccine. No. And you can find that with literally every so-called virus that we've had a vaccine for they all, all have patents on them because they were all manufactured for the virus or for the vaccine for usage right there's no isolation of a virus and i mean i i feel like we're we're starting the conversation but it's weird from my perspective i feel like i've said i feel like i'm a broken record on this topic now a little more because i've been talking about it for three or four years like you just don't you've never we've never isolated a virus it's not been done it, it whatever you think their term is of isolation is not what we would determine as a proper isolate of something and then claim it causes disease you have to be able to take it out and have it pure and then show it causes disease but that is not what's being done and um andy and, and dr cowan did a, a recent one because you know they were on um andy was on with judy mikovitz and and they got a little tiff about that and because she's no. very, you know, probably saw that. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And I was going to, that was going to be my next question. I know it, it must be frustrating for you because you understand that, you know, this is all a big psyop, but I just get so many questions from people because I'm posting, I'm reposting your stuff. I'm reposting David Icke stuff. I'm reposting, you know, David Avocado. So 99% of the people who follow me on Instagram really resonate, but then there's people every few days who are like, well, how could you say that? And so it's good to hear it from you because you just explained why there's the patent. And so many people still, you know, even myself, because both my parents are doctors, we're so indoctrinated that A, viruses are malicious and B, that they could make that, you know, they can make it even worse with, you know, these sort of, that it's all, but it, so thank you. I, it really makes sense to me the way you just explained it. Um, okay. So Judy Mikovits, that interview, I watched that and um, I was so like, my heart just went out to Andy Kaufman because the other three people were just like not understanding where he was coming from. And uh, you know, as somebody who has friends who were fine and then they get diagnosed with the fake HIV virus and then they start to go downhill after taking these antiretrovirals. You know, I know at least 10 men who were diagnosed with so-called uh, HIV in the eighties and they never took any drugs and they're healthier than a horse. It's been 30, 35 years. Um, so anyway, Judy Mikovits, what was she talking about 
when she said she isolated HIV from an AIDS patient on a plane, you know, in Montreal and proved that it causes the disease in another person. Like, I can't find any paper that shows that. Like, where was, where was she pulling that from? I'm not, I'm not too sure where she's getting that data from. I, I also have read all the, the baseline papers because when you go through med school, you actually have to take courses to teach you how to read research properly. So um, it's not, it's, I feel for a lot of people because it's really, it's a skill set you, you need to really learn. And you also have to be able to read the medical jargon. So it's hard to wade through a lot of it. it's very heavy. And I think they did that in part by design so that it's a very select few who can even understand a lot of that stuff and what it means. Um, but uh, in essence, I've looked at all the original, you know, HIV paperwork and so forth, because that was one of the earlier ones I went into at, when I started questioning the whole virus idea. Um, yes, Virus Mania, excellent book. Um, and what's that one? I can't read the thing. Uh, Fear of the Invisible by Janine Roberts. She's nice. That's I haven't read that one, I don't think. He's got all the original papers where Robert Gallo was crossing oh. things out and doing his fraud. So it's yes, all yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. There's a really good video that goes through all of that. I can't remember the name of it, but it's really well done where they're like, this is all they confront Gallo. They do like they do all that stuff. Oh, wow. um, but, you know, it's it's important to read and to really unravel your mind. And it's not something that you just get from a snippet, you see, because like you just said, there's deep indoctrination. You grew up with certain beliefs. There's all once you face something new like that, you have to it's going to question all these things that you thought were true and you have to go back to the story and you have to be careful so maybe that just was a story that you were told like I get a lot this particular one where like well why would my parents send me to measles parties when I was a kid right go get measles from, from over there so then you can get it over and done with right they used to have measles parties all the time or chicken pox parties this sort of thing I said well, okay, let's just break this down for a second. You're assuming something. So be careful where you've put in an assumption where you've made a leap. Like when we talk with Don and David, we're like, look at all the scientific assumptions that have been made, right? Like assumption that you have a particle that's not alive, that cannot rep self-replicate, but yet somehow there's a mechanism by which it gets into a cell and starts to self-replicate, but no scientific paper has described that. Nobody has said, this is exactly, we're watching it. This is exactly what it's doing. And this is how it happens. It was magnets and, so, and what, there's no explanation of exactly, right? So there was a huge leap in an assumption made. So the assumption is, oh, well, that they had chickenpox parties. So that's, it must've worked, right? Or there was measles parties. So that's, so everyone got measles. So what, right? So they're making an assumption that it happened. But I'm like, so did you go to that? Did you find the follow-up on that measles party? How many of the people who attended got, a me got measles? How how many of them and how long after? How what's it? What was their incubation period, right? How, what were your age ranges? Like, it's not science. It's just assumptions. So they could have all gone to that party, ate hot dogs and all got measles after that because they just ate some bad food. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't assume they're assuming it's a viral causation, right? right? So maybe some of them would maybe two weeks later. And that seemed like the story stuck, right? Because little Johnny went to the measles party and two weeks later he had measles. But again, that's an assumption because little Johnny is of the age where he's going to go through an exanthem or a normal childhood expression of waste materials to go through a growth spurt. And if his liver is congested from eating crappy foods, drinking pop, eating sugar, having vaccines and all these things, then his body is going to manufacture those waste proteins and particles and push it out through the skin instead of 
process it properly through the liver as we're meant to. Mm -hmm. And so that is an assumption that he would have got it. Right. Right. So you're saying, you're saying that that to that event is the measles virus did it. That's an assumption. You don't know that he, he might've not attended at all that party. And two weeks later, he gets a measles expression, right? So this is what I'm saying. A lot of people, they get stories in their head and you got to like all oh, the polio stories. The oh, polio. oh yeah. my, my, my grandfather, he got polio. So that means it's real. It's like, you're, you just circular logic. You're not, you're not really thinking just because there was a story of somebody who got hurt or somebody who died and they were labeled with that. That doesn't mean that they caught a virus. That's not, that's all presumptuous. That's not clear thinking. And it's definitely not scientific thinking. And it's just, you're making a leap of faith with that knowledge, right? So that's- In ancient tribes, certain, the witch doctor or the shaman, if somebody committed a crime, they'd put them in the center of the tribe with all the tribes people around and they'd point a bone at them and say, you are dead to us. And invariably that person would die just through the power of suggestion. So then you wonder if all of these parents have this powerful belief that these kids are gonna break out in these red dots, who knows? Exactly. I say that all the time. I say that all the time. I say, I say, so what if it's just the belief just alone, they got exposed. So now they're going to get it. They believe they're going to get it and they manufacture it. Do you know how powerful our minds are? Do you know how many people, if the doctor tells them they're going to die in three months, they'll die in three months on the day to the day. Right. And, and, and so we're underestimating what we are, who we are and our power for one, we totally discount other possibilities that are actually quite um, parsimonious or simply uh, a simple step, you know, to that knowledge. We just discount them completely because we've presumed we've assumed, which is not good science, that it's got to be a particle floating through the air because somehow it's in a bunch of scientific papers. Right. And wherever Judy got, whatever she got, I have no idea, but the stuff I've read, there's no isolation. They don't do any of the things that are characterized. I mean, we look, we know Dr. Stefan Lanka's work and he's obviously in a court of law proved there's no measles virus. And he was also very vocal about HIV claiming there's no HIV as well because all of the processes are identical. This is how they claim they isolate. They take it, at, they take cellular matter or debris out of the body and they go through this isolation procedure. But in the isolation procedure, they're actually making toxic products that they're now at the end of that procedure saying that they ca- it caused that disease. It's, it's, the worst, it's just terrible science actually, because they, they took out this matter and then basically added it and things to make it more toxic. And then are they saying they injected it into somebody else? Right. So then you're, you're going to try to prove that it causes some sort of a disease state. And in conscious postulates, actually Henley came in and changed one of the postulates to just sort of fudge it a little instead of same disease. So one germ causes the same disease in every, you know, life. Uh, it's similar. They changed it to similar. So, cause it's not the same, right? So if you inject a toxic product into a body, you're going to get a constellation of symptoms and you might get the symptoms more so involving the lung than the sinuses. In some cases, you might get some involving the skin in one way or another way, or, you know, other, other excretion mechanisms are going to be used, but it's all the same hardware. So the liver is involved, the kidneys are involved, the, the mucus system comes online, the lungs can be part of that system, the skin can be part of it, because those are all organs of excretion. So they're all going to be somehow mixed in there. So that's a clever slide of the magic trick that they like to do, where like, well, it was ish, you know, they 
had a seizure, which, you know, this person didn't have, but I guess we'll just put in the, when we start to characterize our labeling of our disease, we'll add sometimes seizure and sometimes people get sore throats, but not all the time. And sometimes they get a skin rash, but not all the time. And so, so then your disease is like, like, look at even the, the, this, this COVID thing, look at how many, <laughs> look at the list of all possible symptoms that you can have that means you have it. I mean, that's absolutely absurd, right? It's like basically everything. It's every kind of flu, every kind of cold, every kind of sniffle, every kind of anything that is literally just your body trying to get rid of crud. And now with that suddenly, so it's all been just recharacterized and that's what they do, you know? So are you, have you seen a study like, cause me, to me, it doesn't even seem like it will be allowed where they would take this toxic shit that they've been creating and then inject it into a human. Like, I don't feel they could even, have they done that? Like well, they've injected, they do creepy stuff. They even have people eat poops, eat poo and stuff. They have studies where they did. Yeah. Oh yeah. But have you seen with infection studies, for example, disgusting. Have you seen specifically with this, with the fake HIV that they've taken their little concoction and then put it in, tried to put it into somebody else? Well, they, I mean, Dr. Uh, uh, I'll think of his name. Um, I have a video on E. Wil Wilner, Wilner, Dr. Wilner. Well, I watched that on your channel. That was really Yeah. Cool. Do you remember that? And he, 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 he like ingested it and injected himself with it. Yes. He's yeah. like, anyway, so he obviously only injected himself with like a small amount of the matter, but by the dictate, it should, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have one like vir virus, two viruses, three, you know what I mean? It should start, the mechanism should begin. It should enter one cell and then off you go. Right. So there's still going to be putrid matter in that though. Right. I guess I'm just wondering if people like Gallo, did they ever do some sort of study where they took the toxic crap they were making and then got a bunch of people and then injected it into them as a, an official study to try to prove their whole thing? No, they've not done that because I don't think if they did that, just like they didn't do, you know, vax versus unvaxed studies, right? Like, because if you do something like that, you're going to show up yourself. You're going to show that that's not true. Right. Yeah. So you, you're very careful. Maybe they did it and we don't hear about it because you, you can't have those studies done because obviously it would show the opposite that yes. you, this, it doesn't work like that. Right. And I mean, when Pasteur was doing all his inocu inoculations and injections and stuff, he was using a lot of putrid matter and he was injecting like say the brain of a rabbit with putrid matter into it, into the brain of a dog. And that's rabies, right? So of course, if you do that into the, get that into nervous system tissue, you're going to froth at the mouth. You're not going to be right in the head. You know, you're going to be, have shakes. You're going to not be able to walk properly. You're going to be disoriented. I mean, you do that with any animal or any, anybody, you're going to get that, those constellation of symptoms. Right. And that doesn't mean now it's that virus got in and it did a thing. That's no. just, that's just not how, how it works. So no, I haven't found, maybe they did that, but I mean, I've, lo I look all the time. I do, I'll get ideas like, Oh, I'm going to search for these sets of terms together with studies and see what comes up. And I find some really cool stuff, but I haven't found, come across anything like that. Um, where, where, People, yeah. Because I, I was teaching a lot in the, in the sort of the gay community of Vancouver. It's interesting. I thought that I was this gay guy. And then I realized I was just being poisoned by Monsanto. And when I started to use humic and fulvic acid to get the glyphosate and the atrazine out of me, I was like, oh, I kind of want to eat some pussy now. 
like it was really interesting and i've been like so excited to have you on my podcast i'm like oh my god amanda's so sexy she's so beautiful and uh she's up like she's a queen um whereas like three years ago i wouldn't have been attracted to you at all and now i think you're really sexy so it's interesting oh, thank you <laughs> well that's fascinating because there was another gentleman that i met um who went through parasite cleanse and he was gay like he identified he was gay was had a gay partner he was for the majority of his life, right? I mean, he was in his, I think, late 30s or something. And then he was at a grocery store and he met a woman who was, uh, she said she used to be a lesbian. And she said, I'm going to just say this and it's going to sound weird and I don't mean to offend you. And he, she was trying to be very cautious about it, but she was saying that she did a bunch of parasite cleanses and this huge, huge, huge worm came out of her and she wasn't gay anymore. And he was like, what? Okay said, well, I want to, he's like, I want to know, am I really gay or not? I mean, cause I think they're a legitimate two-spirited people that just, they remember their past lives and that's how they feel inside. And I think that's legitimate, totally. but then there's more to the story, right? Just like there's multiple causes of multiple things. So why were, are we assuming just one cause or one, one ex expression, right? So he did it. He did it. He, he did this cleanse and he had this huge worm. He said the worm had a face. Oh my God. The face is like, <laughs> You know, it's like coming out. You're like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm the gay. Person. I'm the gay. <laughs> oh my lord, so hilarious, right? So, but he was like so passionate about it. He was like, he's like, I have to tell you. And he did a video. I'll try to see if I can find the YouTube video. Interesting. He did a video. Yeah. About this and I couldn't find the video. And I, I heard you talking about borax. I, I went and bought some more borax, and I hear that's a good way to to do parasite cleanses. Yeah, borax will work. Um, you just have to, you know, it's everything's about dose, right? So when you do your kratom, you're going to do a proper dose. When you do microdosing mushrooms, you do microdosing. You don't like blast yourself. Like everything's dose dependent. And so same thing with borax. And borax actually um, also gets rid of fluoride from the calcified pineal. Nice. Um, if, and you can soak in it a little bit, like a cup in the bath water as well. Uh, especially if you have fluoridated water, like in your tap water, then then if you're going to draw, draw a bath, I suggest putting it in the bath water just to bind it up. Yeah. And then it also will um, detox. And I haven't found the evidence on it yet. This is all just from Dana Ashley's work. Um, but she talked about nanoparticulates that they've gotten all the tests and they've been spraying us and experimenting with all these nano things and that the borax or boron so boron is in borax then it denatures a lot of the silica based false life forms or whatever they're messing around with so I, i'm still i haven't really done a deep dive into the research mainly because it's creepy and part of me wants to just manifest not that <laughs> you know what i mean totally i've been doing some research um into like ionic foot baths, not necessarily for parasites, but for getting the nanoparticles out, the aluminum. Um, somebody exposed me to the work of Dr. Dietrich Klinghart. Um, and he was showing how it's not the color of the water, like news stations are always trying to debunk ionic foot baths. And they, well, even if you don't have your, foot, your feet in, it still turns color, but that, apparently that's not how it works. It, it induces the liver and the kidneys to excrete high amounts of aluminum over the coming days after you do the foot bath. So, yeah, I've had people have wonderful experiences with them. I don't personally do it. I do different types of metal cleanses. There's lots of ways to get metal out of your body. Um, and if that and that is a beautiful approach because there's all the nerve endings on the bottom of the feet. So if you can properly stimulate uh, detox response, and, and there's many ways to do that, 
then by all means, if that you like that, that works for you, then you do that. And, and, and this is what's wild about the holistic field is there are so many options. There's redundancy of things you can do for detoxing metals, right? You don't need to do them all, but there are tons. And what do we have in the me- the medical establishment? We got nothing. They don't even acknowledge it. They don't even, they, they inject you with it. <laughs> they think it's, they think it's awesome. Right. So they don't think it's a problem. So mercury levels are low. <laughs> it yeah. made me think of the, have you read the book, the giver by Lois Lori? It was like mandatory reading in grade four. And I remember our teacher saying, this is like a, a documentary of how our society is going. And I was like, I had no idea what she was talking about, but I actually watched the movie. The movie's not as good, but the it, it reminded me, it's like about this sort of dystopian, you know, society where people get released to, you know, elsewhere when they're a certain age and nobody really knows what it means, but it really means they get injected and then they die. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you're, you're born and if you're, if your birth weight isn't high enough, you get injected and you get released to elsewhere and everybody's the same. And, uh, it's, it's a really good book and the movies, the movie's okay. Like if you don't have time to read the book, you can watch the movie, but, um, it, it, it sort of just makes me think of like, as you just said, the, the cult that is allopathic medicine, uh, it's like, it has to be this way. And if you heal yourself any other way, they almost get mad. Like I healed a cavity and my dentist was mad at me you know, or like, you know, I, I had certain uh, skin conditions and I healed it. And the doctor was like almost mad that I healed it using herbs, using OSHA, you know, root from, from Northern BC and just these natural ways they get upset, um, which is really an interesting thing. Cause then that makes you kind of think, well, geez, it kind of is a cult. If you're going to get mad at me for healing myself naturally. Um, but I, I have a vaccine injury uh, from a slew of, of, you know, routine vaccinations I got at six months of age. And it caused a kind of like a, a palsy, a nerve, I think it's called a third or a seventh nerve palsy. So I lined up all my baby pictures. This was about six months ago when I had the epiphany. And I was like, wow, like my eyes are perfect. I look like this happy, healthy, little giddy little boy. And then at six months, I look like I'm severely autistic. I'm like, what the hell happened? Did I get dropped? I like asked my mom, I was like, did you drop me at six months? She's like, I didn't drop you. So I watched the movie 1986, The Act by Andy Wakefield. I don't know if you've seen it. It's really, yeah, really good. And so I just, something clicked in me and I was like, I wonder if this had anything to do with like routine vaccination. So I asked my dad, I was like, dad, you know, um, can you, do you know, like if there's a record of like exactly the days that I was vaccinated as a child, as a baby? And he's like, it's the exact same now as it was in the eighties, just go to the government website, which I was confused about because I thought there's more, but he's, he seemed to think it was the same. So anyway, I lined up all the different vaccination dates on the official, you know, health BC website. And then I lined up all my baby pictures And sure enough, after like a slew of vaccines at six months, the eyes go cross. I also contact BC Children's Hospital and I get my medical records from age three months all the way up until 15 uh, because I had an eye surgery at a year of age to try to correct the strabismus, the lazy eye. It didn't really work. It never taught the eyes to work together. Um, But anyway, long story short, I came to the conclusion that it's very highly likely that it was the vaccine that caused that. And then I did some research on PubMed. Sure enough, even in the mainstream literature, there is tons of records of babies being vaccinated. And then within an hour to six or seven days after, they get severe strabismus. So I'm not alone. And um, 
yeah, long story short, I, I hired a vision therapist and she actually has seen this. Like she's a developmental optometrist out of Illinois. I work with her and her team over Zoom once a week. She said it's very common actually that one of her client's children will have a vaccine and then come to her and be like, oh, the eyes are all crossed now. Like, what do we do? So she doesn't want to get into like whether vaccines are good or bad. She just says, okay, well, I'll, we'll try to fix it now. Um, so, so this is sort of the crux of what I was getting to. <clears throat> I have many clients who are ophthalmologists because I teach yoga at country clubs. And when I told them that I was going to see a vision therapist, they made fun of me. They made fun of the vision therapist. They said, well, that's not going to work. And I said, well, it seems to be helping. Like I, I did the Brock string exercise where you look at a ball on a string and I can actually converge my eyes where I want them to now. It feels really empowering. And he's, you know what he said, the ophthalmology, well, that's going to go away. You know, you might get a little benefit, but it's going to go away. There's no scientific proof that this works. And I said, well, geez, like your wife comes to my yoga classes and she really likes that. And she feels really calm. Like the vision therapy makes me feel really calm. And he said, well, there's research for yoga. And I said, well, maybe 30 years from now, there'll be lots of research on vision therapy. And he said, good point. <laughs> How ironic that you have these ophthalmologists that are completely blind. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. And my whole thing is like, they could work together. They don't have to bash each other. Like, you know, um, say you have like really severe strabismus and you want to get a surgery because you just can't fix it. So you, maybe you choose to have a surgery and then you can use vision therapy to teach your eyes to actually work together because they don't do that in the allopathic op, uh, ophthalmologist system. So I, anyway, that's my story. Sorry, it was a bit long-winded, but I just, I wanted to share that because it, I think a lot of people, especially in Canada, don't realize there is such a thing as vision therapy. And a lot of people don't realize that strabismus could be prevented just by like, don't put poison. If you, if you took what's in a, a vaccine and put it on a spoon and fed it to your infant, you'd be imprisoned. So yeah. why are we injecting it into their bloodstream? Oh, it's crazy. And, you know, Forrest Moretti wrote a book uh, called Crooked that talks about the crooked smile and the facial nerve impingements that come from mm -hmm. vaccines causing, you know, a total storm in the body that increases the white blood cell count to the point where the blood is now so viscous and thick that it cuts off oxygen delivery to the finer nerves in the circle of Willis, which is a part of the anatomy of the brain. And so it tends to go in certain patterns. You'll always generalize to get a one eye. Uh, so you get a lid lag and you'll get uh, one that one of the facial nerves branches off into three nerves and that affects the smile response. And then you also can get a facial droop from that as well, but our true palsy, that's what they call a palsy. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dr. Andrew Molden proved that with using MRIs and in injecting children, he's a pediatrician and he, he saw that in his office. He literally was observant enough to notice that after he gave the, the vaccine, they were getting like a, a palsy. And <laughs> he was like, what's going on here, right? So not even just delayed, but in the actual moment, or they would come back, you know, a week later and he noticed it, like he was observant, like a good doctor should be. And he um, did lots of research on it. He has a video series called Tolerance Lost that goes through that in finer detail. And of course they found his body dead, uh, you know, not too far after he really started to go public with it. And he was trying to make waves inside the medical establishment. The problem with these indoctrinated individuals that have gone through med school is they select for, the, the med school itself selects for the most egotistical types 
the most uh, self-centered ego-based people and, and really fluff that up and feed the ego through the med school, right? So <clears throat> that is something that is really hard to overcome when you've been told you're like the smartest people on earth, right? And that you, if it's not double placebo controlled studies and double blind, then that's garbage, right? And it has to be certain kind of science and it has to be presented to them somehow. But yet it's come across as this arrogance rather than like, let's work together. Or maybe there is information I haven't learned or, hey, I've been so busy. I haven't really kept up to date on my journals and my information. So maybe I missed that, you know, about that type of therapy and maybe we can work together and <laughs> really help people. And then you kind of have to go, well, if, so what is your real motivation then? Because if you're not interested in something that's helping someone, and it's even relatable to your field on any level, instead of having the damaged inner child react inside like, oh, I'm going to make fun of you. Like I'm on, a, I'm in like high school or I'm in grade school. I'm just making fun of like poo-poo face over there. Cause that's basically what they're doing. That's they're what the other one did, the ophthalmologist after class. I, it was just synchronistic. Cause I just, you know, been exploring vision therapy. And I ask her, I say, what do you think? And she says, uh, you know, well, you know, you need to see a real doctor. Um, uh, optometrists are not real doctors um, and they're going to take your, all your money because you're going to actually have to pay them out of pocket. Whereas if you come see us, the government will pay for it because we're real doctors. Like we've actually been to medical school and then we've specialized. And like, she just went on, it made me feel sick. And then I, I said, you know, I just was trying to be kind, like, you know, I just said, um, well, I'm just grateful that I can see. And she said, yeah, but your eyes don't look in the same direction. Huh? And I was like, oh, you know, shut up. How about that? And, you know, and, and then, and then here's <laughs> crazy. It's like, they're, they come, that's their behavior. Like they come, they talk about science, right? That it's not a real doctor. It's not scientific. Okay. But then they go, they have, they oh, let me bring out my magic crystal ball. And I <laughs> predict that your eyes are going to go back. I know that's it. Right. So. <laughs> Which is it? Are they magicians and seers or are they scientists? Like which? Because you can't pick one. You can't be both. And that's what the other one was, was telling me. He's like, well, how old are you? I'm like, I'm 35. He's like, well, I mean, this vision therapy is not like you're almost 40. By the time you hit 40, you're going to be going downhill. And, you know, yeah. that's enough to be doing cataract surgery on your eyes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, how do you know? Like, look, come on. I know this predictive thing. It's, it's weird. It's embedded in them somehow. Like they have to, they have to, to tell people when they're going to die, when it's going to fail, why it's, if there's negative Nancy's, all of them, they're like, well, that's not cool. That's bad. Like, how do you know, man, have you done it? And then you talk all science. Don't go there. Cause yeah. you're just, you just sound stupid and you sound like a hypocrite and anyone who actually is awake and has gone through it and comes from the knowledge, when you see someone talk like that, all credibility is lost. I don't care how many degrees you have on the wall. I don't care about what you're, you're if you wear a white coat or whatever the heck you think you, you do that's special, you've lost all credibility to me because I've already seen through the lens and of those experiences, whereas you have not. So you're just poo-pooing an experience you haven't even had. So you have no validity. You have no, no clout with what you're saying. Yeah. So they just people in their 60s like there's a woman who runs an organic grocery store this japanese woman she looks like she's 40. you look like you're 32. <clears throat> i had no idea you're 46. yeah i had no idea i like i keep meeting all these really young looking people my mentor certified health med i don't know if you've heard of troy casey 
on Instagram, certified health nut. He's 55 and he looks great and he's got great vision. And, you know, so you're so right. Like you pick one. Are you going to be the crystal ball fortune teller? Or are you going to be the scientist? You can't be both. And it makes you lose credibility when, <clears throat> when you, when you behave like that. Yeah. Yes. Tell me just to segue a little bit into DMSO. Um, I was, I was looking on your, it's yummy dot doctor for those of you listening. Cause I know you've had some, some real issues with censorship. Cause I went to the initial site and it didn't work. And, but then I, I realized it was yummy dot doctor. There's no dot com needed. Um, cause your, your other one was like yummy mummy. And then somebody was upset about that. I, I know you've been well, it's weird because like I said, when I, the way I engage in my, in my bubble of my world, right. Is that I listen to the, to the, the subtle cues. So I've, I've been trained as in naturopathic college, we're trained to really observe the patient, how they sit, how they, what they do with their hands, how they move their face, facial muscles, muscles, where the face even sits, how their carry is, how they walk. I mean, I studied every weekend with Dr. David Leith and, and I studied applied kinesiology and we would watch everybody in class, how they walked and it would tell us how their spinal alignment was. So I can tell by how they walk, what's out, what's wrong with their backs and that what nerve that is and where I know they're gonna already have issues with their organs, right? Just from observing. So once you learn to observe in that sort of a, of a situation, you do it, I do it elsewhere in my reality. And I start to observe when I'm getting cues or I'm getting little hints about something I should either learn about or listen to or pay attention to in my reality. And I, I so one of the things was the, the name of my business is not, who I am anymore. And this started coming for a while because, you know, Yummy Mummy Emporium and Apothecary. It's it's a mouthful. I started off with Yummy Mummy Emporium. Then I started at, because I was serving like moms and babies and baby stuff because I had a baby and that's how I sort of started the business and it worked just fine. But then I added the apothecary because I started making all these natural products and it, it's it's medicine really. I mean, it's as, as truer medicine than any of the crap you're getting with the pharmacy, right? Which is mainly poison. And, and petroleum products. So I wanted really a clean line of products that was really going to enhance your health and be like, if you put a cream on your body, that's healing you. That's not just like, I want moisture. This is like, I'm he I'm taking herbs and I'm putting them and I'm, I'm giving you the nutrition through your skin and, and that sort of thing. Right. So I was very passionate about that. And also with my chemistry background, it went hand in hand. So then, but my intuition was saying it's time to change. And then I had, I got a wonderful business partner that came on board and then we decided we would streamline everything. Plus we were going to have to do new labeling and all this stuff was coming. Right. So right around before this whole pandemic thing happened, um, I was already, we already working on the paperwork and starting to do incorporation and all this stuff and deciding on names and blah, blah. So then I, when it hit, I came out with a sign that said, this is all bull crap. You guys can come in here sick. I kept sick people all the time. I mean, I don't get sick from them. I'm exposed to them all the time. Like, this is ridiculous. Doesn't work like that, guys. I exposed the viral myth years and years ago. This is garbage. Don't fall for it. This is how I, I came out real cash. Like, it wasn't going <laughs> to fail. If I'm having a bad day, I'll watch your rant. <laughs> it's so good. It's so funny. It's like, it's so juicy. And it's like eating a really good meal. And you just feel so good after it. Like, it's the mm. best hour-long rant I've ever Anyway, sorry, keep going. <laughs> I had to. I had because again, I felt like come on, come on, get the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Because come on, wake up. I want to. So the main thing for me is authenticity, and that if that's 
how I am in that day, in that moment, then that's how it's going to, that's how it's rolling. That's what I feel. And that's what comes out of me. Right. So, um, I can be analytical. I can be stoic. I can be logical. I can be, but I can be artistic. I can be, I can act on a stage. I can, I used to sing. I used to be in bands. I used to, I, I'm, I'm an artist. I do all kinds of things. What we're, what we are is everything. We are everything. We don't have to do one job, one thing, read, you know, we can be all things, right? And that's what I always felt like. I just want, always want to be versatile. I want to be Renaissance woman, you know, like I can do all these things, right? So if I want to be swear, I'm going to swear, you know, there's times for swearing, times for not for swearing, right? There's yeah. a season for everything, as they say. I got um, some, not hate mail, but criticism yesterday. Cause I, you know, I'm usually very love and light, but it can't always be, you know, rainbows and butterflies. Like sometimes I'll retweet something from David Wolf or I'll share something that, you know, seems like I'm blaming, you know, the cult that runs the planet. And then this individual was like, you shouldn't do that. That's not serving you. You should, you know, just focus on your practices and sharing your sexual Kung Fu and your Montauk Chia stuff. And I was like, I, just like you said, like I'm more than just puppies and kittens and it feels really good. Like I spent so much of my life on the frequency of shame and guilt. Sometimes going into blame feels really fucking good and it helps other people like watching your video. Some people might say, well, that's she's being angry, but it's actually cathartic to watch it. And, and I was trying to make him understand that. And I don't think he really understood. And I realized it's not my job. That's his journey. So it's everyone's journey. You have your own, you have your own experiences. Like I was saying, like when you've experienced gone through something and then you see someone and they haven't gone through it and they're just judging your experience, like all this compendium of knowledge that we have on homeopathy and Chinese medicine and all kinds of ancient remedies and things that are available to us. If you do the research, it's there. Right. And that I've, I, you know, I've brought into my sphere and I've either used or, or, or practiced with or in, enveloped into my reality. And I've seen what it does. And I've, I have that background and I come with that knowledge and that filter. Right. And then somebody just poo-poos that filter, like on an off chance. And you're like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. So it's, it's that with you keep building on the wisdom and, and, and you're allowed to feel every emotion you, you're allowed, you have permission and you also have permission to change. You have permission to change your mind about who you are and how you decide you are in your reality. I don't know why people like to pigeonhole everybody all the time. Like, oh, well, I liked you because you were like this, that, this, and the other things like, well, then it's not unconditional love. Is it? It's a list. It's a list of expectations that you have for me. And if I don't fit in your list in, 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 in that's, like perfect for you, then you're going to throw me away. And I'm, I've already been through the ringer of all the people I thought were like caring, loving, good people, whatever, who just tossed me away. Like I was a piece of crap because they don't like my versatility. They don't like that one day I might be very introspective and, and, and not want to you know, be chatty where another day I might be like really talkative and, and flamboyant and whatever. And I want to go dancing. Like, why is that a problem for you? Why can't you have a versatile you know, individual in your life that may have a different flavor, just like we have different weather patterns. Like, it's not that I'm moody or imbalanced or, or whatever people might think. It's just that I'm being authentic to what I'm feeling in that moment. And I am a woman as well, which is like freaking ocean. <laughs> and you want to feel what you want to feel. And it, then on top of it, I'm empathic. So holy moly, right? Like that's, 
There's all kinds of things. And, and if you're trying to find yourself and you're trying to figure out who you are, you better allow, you better be allowing of all your expressions and, and all your truth. And if it's anger that's coming out of you and it's righteous anger, or you feel that it's the right thing to do and you've checked with yourself, then you have to express it. You have to get it out. Do you want to hurt someone with it? No. Do you want to like do it in a way that is going to have a feedback that you don't desire? You better think about that. Right. But by all means, I think more people need to get a little bit angry right now, because as far as we're from, the, you know, in Canada, I mean, this is ridiculous. People are just like, oh, well, I guess, I mean, oh, take more of my rights away, I guess, because the virus, I guess, you know, well, I'm, yeah, oh, you want to put me in the hotel, the quarantine hotel, okay, then, well, I guess it's just best for me, the government knows, you know, it's like, oh, my God, come on, get mad, man. <laughs> Get it moving. <laughs> like, really? So I, I just think that everybody has to be okay with the mistakes they've made, the shame, the guilt, the rage, the things that they might not even have a handle on. And what I feel is coming is the greatest healing we've ever gone through as a, as a soul force. You know what I mean? Because we've been suppressing stuff for so long. We've been, we've been hiding behind our light. We've not been stepping into it. We've not been owning our kaka, as my spiritual teacher used to say, right? And, and being, a, that's why I love that, that inner child meditation, because it's like, I forgive you. You need to be forgiven. And I think that's where a lot of the religions came in, like, you know, where confession came in and stuff, where you would go and you'd get confession and you'd feel better because you released something you did wrong and you were you know, God loves you no matter what sort of thing. And it's not an excuse to do bad things, but you know what I mean? It was like, that was the release valve on your pre inner pressure coming out. Like, okay, I can hear myself speak and I can release something and yeah. then I can get right with it. I can make, make it right. I made a mistake and I'm going to work to make it right. And I'm going to work harder to not repeat my mistakes because I'm here to grow and learn and improve and expand and figure out what I'm supposed to figure out and live my purpose and all those things. So why would I keep just getting staying stuck in the same mistake over and over again? That's a useless, useless waste of my, my life force. Right? right. So totally. Okay. Just a couple more questions. Thank you so much for, this has been so illuminating and is really, really special for me. I'm super grateful to, uh, to get to speak with you, Amanda, because you're definitely a light in my life and the, and in the lives of so many people that I know, like I coach people in sexual Kung Fu, which is like learning how to separate orgasm from ejaculation. And uh, I've got clients from around the world, mostly men. And they're like, Oh my God, like you get to speak with a man in Balmer. You're a celebrity. <laughs> like, no, I'm not, but she is. That's so it's really exciting. <laughs> but they're going to be really excited to listen to this and watch this. Thanks, okay, so I have a friend, <clears throat> my dear friend, Edward, he wanted to move to Bali. So he moved to Bali. And then a few months after being in Bali, he got what they call the dengue fever. Mm -hmm. And in Germanic New Medicine, there's certain understandings that if you're brought up in North America and then you move to a different continent, there could be microbes on that continent that your body is not used to. So if you're going through a healing phase, the healing might be extra spicy because your body's, <clears throat> those microbes will be used in the healing phase. So that's sort of one sort of, cause I was trying to sort of understand what he was going through cause he like almost died. And then I spoke with one of my Germanic new medicine teachers and she said, well, there, there, it could be a situation where that microbe 
that was in him was like shitting and he was alert. Like, so it was like a, a parasitic thing or he was allergic to their shit. I'm wondering, what would you say about dengue fever? Well, I've seen, I don't, I don't know that I would say that it's one thing. So, okay, here's where we have to think. We grow up when we're young, we want to eat the soil. Okay. I saw my child do it and she was like handfuls of soil. She knew to spit out rocks. She was like, it was a thing. I was like, what is happening? And she only did it the one time, but she was handfuls eating it. Okay. Not just tasting it. I'm like, holy moly, this is a reflex. This is natural. This is what, this is how the child learns what's around and starts to develop all of that feedback inside the body. Here's where I live. Here's what I'm exposed to all the time because the body has to identify self versus non-self and keep that very rigorous, okay? So when you go to a a place that you're not endemic to, like this is a a novel place, a place you haven't been exposed to, there's different soil microorganisms. There's all kinds of different parasitical situations. So here you are, North America, Maybe you're not eating as pure as you can. Maybe you're drinking lots of coffee. Maybe you're in a stressed situation, right? You're already kind of, your terrain is too acidic already, or there's something not quite healed. Like you haven't done some deep detox before you go travel, which is what I recommend. If you want to really not attract a parasite, you better clean up. Metal's got to be out of you. All kinds of, you know, bowels need to be cleansed. The blood needs to be cleaned. I, I love coffee enemas for that. And so when you get exposed to something that your body's never seen before, and it's in the water, it's in the food, it's all around you. And now this is new, right? So it's, it is an opportunity for a parasite to start to feed on something that maybe parasites here aren't interested in, or you've adapted to whatever here, right? So there's a new experience. You'll see it all the time, right? Where you get like a food poisoning experience, or you get you know, something in the food, in the water, and usually it's parasitical. That's very, very common. Lots, actually, there was a woman recently who died in Bali. She went to Bali. Um, she's like a, she was doing like a health coach. I'll send you her link. Cause I, I, I always feel so connected to these light beings when they, when something like that happens, like I didn't never knew her, but yet I feel like I have to mourn her. It's weird. But so I'm like looking through her life and just honoring her, even though I didn't know her and sort of wish I knew her and like that sort of stuff, because she's very, was very special. And she was also trying to teach like yoga and these sorts of things. Right. So, um, but what happened to her, is she went to Bali and she was very excited and she was doing some videos and she got appendicitis and the appendicitis didn't resolve and whatever they did to her, she died. And so what happened there? Well, same idea. She probably got introduced to parasite or she got food poisoning. Very, very common, especially in countries where they're not taking care of the food properly. Um, and what happens is you get diarrhea, right? Like you get like you get pretty heavy diarrhea. The body's like, you can't have this microbe in you. Why? Because the microbes wastes are very can be very caustic and and broken down waste of food as well, which are not meant for you to digest. They're meant for the soil to break down. You're not going to eat poop. If you eat poop, you'd be very sick. So it's the same idea, right? So it's not the microbe itself that's causing the problem per se. It's the waste particles and the, and the breakdown products that the bacteria is doing. And you're not supposed to eat that process. You're not going to go in the forest and eat a half, you know, half dead tree. You'll be very sick, right? There's tons of microbes on that, that you, it's just not meant for you. And that's not the process. You, you eat fruit, fruit and fruit, food that's fresh. You don't eat it rotten and broken down unless you're doing that very specifically, like with fermented foods, right? So there's, there's things that are meant for us and things that aren't. Yeah, so, yeah. 
so what happens is when you get uh, diarrhea like that, your your gut microflora, so your bacteria in your gut, they've got to run and hide. Otherwise, they'll be wiped out. The colonies will be wiped out. And that's they run into the appendix, right? And mm -hmm. so if you have all this surge inside the appendix, it can become inflamed. And if you don't resolve the issue quickly so that the bacteria can once again remove, they start to grow inside the appendix and the appendix will burst. The appendix will go crazy. And so that's what happened with her. She basically had a ruptured appendix and she got to, you know, blood toxic. Blood has to be very pure all the time. If the blood gets poisoned, you're done, right? It has to be very cl cleaned constantly. That's why it runs through the liver every three to four minutes and cleans it. So if you spill into the blood like that, it's over, it's game over. So that's, that was the unfortunate situation her, but same story, right? Exposed to a parasite has an issue with the digestive tract or some sort of um, parasite gets in, it could even get into the skin. I remember in Costa Rica, there was some sort of flesh eating parasite worm, parasitical worm that embeds its egg inside you. You don't know it, like in your leg. It's like a horror story, really. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it hatches, you know, and you have this like thing coming out. <laughs> Woo, fun times. So yes, there's all kinds of creepy, crawly thingies that can, would love to have a nice warm body to have its babies in or find a buffet inside of you of food because you presented it. And there's, that's why I like to travel with MMS always, colloidal silver, probiotics. If you're going to travel, you bring things to deal with the nuance of this place, right? Like always probiotics. I bet she wasn't given probiotics. I bet she was given antibiotics though, which is death sentence right there, can be. Yeah. And um, not, not to put back the flora, not to stop the diarrhea problem. So activated charcoal, I always suggest to travel with that. Stops, stops up the waste, the toxins from whatever's you know going on in there. Yeah. And so your body doesn't have to absorb it, right? She's not going to do an enema. She probably doesn't have an enema kit with her there to like clean out the bowels and clean out the blood, right? And the doctors in the hospitals, they're not going to give her those things. They're not going to give her IV vitamin C or they're not going to encourage her to do an enema or they're not going to do like castor oil packs over her abdomen to help detox the waste. They're not going to do anything that's going to save her. This is why modern medicine is such a failure. All it does is poison. And then when you have an emergency, it just gives you more poison. And you're lucky if you can overcome either of them, right? And yes. uh, so cleansing yourself of parasites regularly. I mean, we have them here in North America. We just live symbiotically with them. They seem to, they just take a bit of energy and they take away some of your metals and some of your other garbage in the body, right? Mm -hmm. And then eventually you have to purge them because it'll whittle down your health, right? Over time. And I so, think but, time to, uh, to, to uh, sort of differentiate for the listeners both Amanda and I agree, uh, certain microbes you can see and they do exist like parasites, but other yeah. microbes have never been isolated. For example, HIV or uh, COVID, never. So there's a difference. Well, we're not denying microbes. What we're, I think where people have to understand is we're, we're um, trying to help people realize that germs aren't the cause of disease. Not that they don't exist. Is they're not the cause, they're the result. So you don't, you make garbage, you put garbage out, right? Are the flies endemic to the garbage? No, the flies come to break down the garbage. The maggots come, right? It's they, like they, there's a bunch of fires in the city and fire trucks show up. It doesn't mean the fire trucks cause the fire. Exactly. So it's a cause and effect problem where we've, we've made one, the other, when it's really, it's an effect, not a cause. Okay. Mm -hmm. So clarify that we have, we can see bacteria. We know there's, there's like so many, we could probably never even count 
the all the kinds of bacteria. And these are bacteria that can change from one bacteria to another kind, to another kind, to another kind, depending on what they're inside of. So how do you know that when you ingest a bacterium, right, that in your milieu, in your terrain, in your specific acid acidic condition or not, it's changing the shape into something that's completely different. And it's starting to uh, create metabolic waste inside your body that are very pro-inflammatory to you or even allergic. Maybe you're having a histamine response to the waste from that particular bacteria type that's just not conducive to you. And nine times out of 10, though, this is where we have to get really clear is that these are people that are already vaccine damaged because anyone who's had a vaccine is vaccine damaged. I'm vaccine damaged. I've had a whole lifetime of healing from vaccine damage. Yeah. My brother's vaccine damaged. You're vaccine damaged. Anyone who's ever had a vaccine is vaccine damaged. And so you just, it's a ticking time bomb and you don't know exactly what all the time if you're lucky. A lot of people, they'll know what it is and a lot of people won't. And the cases, when I take cases, I always ask vaccine status and I can always see the connection between the vaccinations and what's going on in their body. And those who have been damaged in that way have a very high, um, over-responsive immune system. There's, or I don't even like that term. I just use it for communication. I don't believe in an immune system the way it's described at all. But what I'm saying is that the way our lymphatic system responds to get rid of waste and all of this sort of stuff, um, it's confused. It'll confuse what is self and non-self. So they're not, you're not sure because, hey, you gave me all this poison when I was still figuring out who I am. And so I, am I metals? <laughs> am I, am I these weird fetal cells and stuff? Am I that? I'm not sure. And so you, it's not a really robust system and it, all the different tissues can get damaged and eroded over time. So if your gut, for example, like most people over the age of 30, they actually don't produce enough stomach acid and it's in the incorrect pH. And so if you now ingest a microorganism that normally your, your hydrochloric acid would just be done, right? Just break it down. Doesn't, it doesn't, it allows itself in. It's like, Hey, what's in here? There's some num nums in here. And it starts eating your food instead of you eating your food, that's going to be a problem. You're going to get a lot of waste in there. You're going to get a lot of bloating. You could have a histamine response to the waste. You could have all kinds of stuff going. So we aren't denying, it's ridiculous. We can see bacteria. And I can see, I have a microscope. I can see my own back. I can go look back for bacteria. We know actually everything's alive. This is what's even extra is everything's alive. You go look at white blood cells under the microscope. You go look at your, at the way that your, your own internal cacophony of of life is moving and it, it it's all living. It's all alive. The cells move. When I first saw that, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's, what am I looking at here? Like yeah. it's all moving and shaping and like engulfing. And like, this is what your blood looks like constantly. It's all living. Right. And so why do you want to do anti-life? Why do you want to take antibiotics? Why do you want to kill the very thing that is the, your soup of life here? You don't want to ever do that, but you do want to make sure that all the breakdown products of the work that it's constantly doing to keep you going, to keep you alive and well, are it's all functioning properly. And when you get the shots, it damages all those communication. It totally damages the gut, damages the nervous system, mm -hmm. including brain tissue, 
it, it harms the liver, congests the liver. So the liver gets really backed up. That's why you see a lot of kids with eczema and, ch and childhood asthma and those sorts of expressions because they're just, they're, their livers got like punched so hard and it's just trying to catch up and it can't. And then you start introducing foods too early and you start having other stresses and other things going on and they can't handle it. They get overloaded. And then they go to the doctor again and they get more assault and then they get ear infections and throat infections because again, their bodies cannot handle the toxic stuff anymore. So it's going to cause glandular problems in the head. And then they go get more antibiotics and other poisons. And then it just keeps going and going and going until they're just a complete mess. And they're just constantly being suppressed, 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 and they don't have proper development. You get all kinds of these things. So I see these kids all the time. And all you do is you stop poisoning them. You clean up the food and you clean up their terrain, their body, you help the body get rid of the waste and it will regulate. And it's a, you know what the body is a miracle. Like it really is. It's, 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 it's incredible that we're even still here because first of all, the germ theory was through, we'd all be dead. We wouldn't have this conversation because everything, there'd be so many opportunities for these things to kill us. I mean, they're everywhere. They're, they'll even admit that they'll say there's like hundreds of thousands of these things, right? Viruses and all this stuff. And so why is it just right now, just the one is bad. Just yeah. the one in all the whole world is just one bad one but there's like millions of them. <laughs> How do you know, man? Are you in my body? How many do I have inside of my body right now? Where'd the influenza virus go? Cause that seems to completely disappear. Did it's like, I'm going to hide away. I'm me and Ebola are going to hit it over here and take a hiatus for, for this one to just go and like, no, this is ridiculous. The whole saga is just a, a long story with a lot of propaganda behind it and a long plan that if people are brave enough to look at, they can go and find, you know, look at Davos, look at World Economic Forum, look at Event 201, look at even the Wuhan Olympic Games, a creepy ass, right? I mean, come on, what's... what's I'm just showing, so this is from CBC, it says, the Public Health Agency of Canada says there were no laboratory detections of influenza in the first three weeks of 2021. Masking, Flu vaccines and travel restrictions mean that the flu hasn't gotten a foothold this season. It's, just, it's so funny that people actually believe it. Oh my gosh. You remarket the flu as a new as a new boogeyman, and then you actually come out and say there's no flu. Like you why can't we make two and two together? Put two and two together. It's just regular flu season. And then you look at the all-cause death for the last five years. We're actually lower. We're actually a lower death rate in all the world. If you keep looking at every single country, it's all the same across. I've looked at a majority of places and it's all the same story, all the whole thing. And then I just had a freedom of information uh, from NHS that came through that I put on my Instagram page, which is just my name. Uh, I think there's a dot in the middle. Um, yeah. Yeah. Manda.Volmer. And so, yeah. So, <laughs> and they're like, Hey, so we're curious, you know, so they said that if you test positive for this, you know, within 28 days, if you die from anything, it's that. So we want to know what of all the cases are just the pure COVID cases. I mean, pure, like they did not have any under underlying condition or any other potential, you know, causation of their death. And they said, well, it looks to be around five, <laughs> five, five, and we can't actually officially come out and say that because the number is too low 
And so by some kind of weird act that we wrote in for ourselves to protect ourselves from our lives, we can't actually formally say that, but here it is in this letter. So it was like five people died from, they, you know what? They probably died because they couldn't actually figure out what was what was wrong with them. So they, they just put it as a pure COVID because they couldn't figure anything else out because they're dumb. So that's where those five ones came from. <laughs> that's crazy. Okay, a couple questions. Pleomorphism. I learned about this first through my, my German new medicine teacher, William Hughes in Australia. And so he was talking about, yeah, like, can, is it true that like a bacterium can pleomorphize into what we would call like a, my, a, a my, mycobacterium and then into a virus? Like, can they kind of bacterious viruses and fungi, can they all pleomorphize into each other? And I know yeah. that uh, viruses, there's really like somatids and other forms. Right. So if, if you look at the 16 stage microzyma, there's different labels for it. So some are called microzyma, depending on who is the person discussing it. So Gaston Nasens calls it microzyma or somatids. And uh, I believe his one's somatid. And, and he, and so he has a 16 stage somatid cycle and he mapped it out perfectly pictures, everything under the microscope like living blood microscope, you can see it in all the different stages. He's, it's all been mapped out. It's older footage, which I'm pretty sure is on my yummy dot doctor okay. website. And I wanted to mention there that I do have my other website back up because health Canada stole my domain. Uh, cause they're, they're part of the, you know, the medical cult as well, but mm -hmm. this is a uh, yum naturals dot store is the one where my products are right. So I have three websites and the other one is healing with DMSO. That's for the book.com. So healingwithdmso.com is the other one, um, yumnaturals.store and then yummy.doctor. And on yummy.doctor, that's where I'm doing a lot of the educational materials and where also people can book consults and stuff with me. So I've sort of separated it that way. So that video, there's a video should be there on the Gaston Nason's mapping of the 16 stage cycle. And you can see they change it to like what looks like a fungal form. They look like a mold uh, you can go into sporiforms, uh, you can branch off and, and make these even tinier particles that what looks like little toolboxes that have RNA or DNA inside of them sound like anything familiar to you, right? And what he said is what happens when they, when they make those particular particles, the tiniest of them, uh, microzyma, which basically looks like a protein coat, encircle a piece of nucleic acid material. And that is a little toolbox. It gets delivered to the cellular area and it's, it's come off of that cycle and it's to repair. It's for re repairing that cell. So see the body will not envelop, engulf, apoptose a, a cell unless it's really too far gone to save. Because it's actually the cell that you see in your bio, cell biology book. Like if you have a cell biology book, just open it up and it's a pathetic little cartoon drawing. I mean, it's not really representative of what's going on because I remember when I learned that I'm like, oh, there's like one or two mitochondria in there and there's some ribosomes and you got, you know, the Golgi process, you got all these endoplasmic reticulums and now we're like, whoa, it's really fascinating, right? But actually, then I learned that there's at least 100 or more mitochondria in each cell. No. I mean, what? Okay, that's a lot more than that little picture showed me, right? So that changed my view on now, because I thought, well, if the body doesn't like the cell, 
just engulf it, get rid of it, make a new one. I mean, why would you go and repair stuff? That's stupid, right? But then I realized, no, it's not stupid at all. When you've got that much invested in a cell, you're going to try to keep it going as long as you can. That makes sense, right? So of course, you're going to repair it if you need to. And that's what it does. And a lot of people who are having like chronic fatigue syndrome and um, fibromyalgia symptoms, they're usually extremely, extremely toxic to the point where most of these cells are at half mast. They're, they're functioning at 50% capacity. So their mitochondria are just not workhorses for them. That's why they're tired all the time. They just can't make the ATP to energize themselves, right? So they can't because the cells are so full of waste. Um, you have to upregulate the removals. You have to start with um, extracellular detox first and very, very, very slow and very gentle because this is like, those people go into healing crisis super quick. And then they pull back because they're scared because they don't like what they're feeling. And then, and then you go into intracellular drainage after you've cleaned up the whole extracellular soup, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, and the other thing I find fascinating that I want to mention is that a lot of people, they judge symptoms as bad. You have a symptom it's bad, right? You have a stuffy nose, bad, don't want it, right? Sore throat, bad, right? Lungs can just bad, right? Automatically the mind goes, it's bad. But if you rewire your thinking to go, Okay, lungs are congested. Okay, what what's happening right now? Am I missing a key nutrient because so my lung tissue cannot overcome just a day to day waste that happened? Did I get exposed to a toxin? Did I breathe in? Like, did I go to a house that had insulation? They were ripping down and doing. And there was mold, spores, and maybe you know. Notes from a doctor that freaked me out and gave me a death fright complex, so that my lung alveoli started to proliferate, and now it's I'm safe, okay, I'm fine, and then now I'm healing. And that's what I love about GNM, German New Medicine, yes. is like when you get a symptom, it usually happens in the healing phase. So you're like, yes, my body's working. Hi, I can heal. And then you surround yourself with your pack, make sure you got appropriate nutrients to heal. Exactly. And what's fascinating and what, why German New Medicine is so important is that it helps you rewire that, it helps you understand that you're in the healing phase when you have symptoms. That's good. You want to assist the body through the symptoms. You don't want to suppress them. You just want to support them through. And what's fascinating is when your mind goes there, it resolves super quick because you, you automatically know it's not bad. It's not something to stop. Is something that's going to progress and complete and you're going to help it progress and complete by your activities by your behaviors by your diet by your food you're going to know how to do that right are you going to look up how to do that because you know the way to approach it now rather than oh i better go take a pill and and and, and get it to go away magically with like suppression right which will always prolong the inevitable usually it'll come back again or it'll change into a different format and become worse and then you complicate your healing phase i mean most of this stuff is meddling with a healing phase that was just fine. It was perfectly fine until they meddled with it. I've had cancer cases like this where they were, it was just healing. The tumor, it was just healing phase. It's literally a growth in that phase and it will finish. It will complete. You don't need to meddle with it. And then you go in and you get scans. They say, oh, you have a tumor. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. And they freak them out. They give them a conflict shock, right? Then they start to intervene and suppress and all that. Uh, they call that fish out of water conflict. So say you're healing something like you're talking about the tumor and then the doctor or somebody freaks you out or you just get freaked out about your symptom that can cause an extra program to run in conjunction with the initial program called a kidney collecting tubule conflict, also known as a fish out of water conflict. And I was surprised to learn that a human embryo looks exactly like a fish embryo up until a certain 
few months of, of, of development. So because we originated from fish, we still have that ancient program. So we go into fear and then our kidney collecting tubules close up and then that water retention happens because we're like a fish hoping that eventually we'll get thrown back into our safe water. We're on land. And so all that water goes to the site of the healing, which could be the tumor. And then the tumor just explodes yeah. and everything gets worse because there's so much water retention from the yeah. fear. I've had cases like that. And it's, it's very difficult because you're trying to get them out of fear states, right? And, and into under that understanding of what's going on. And I've had a case that I actually think I'm going to write up because I know when you, when you learn, you learn through all of the experiences that you have with your clients and your patients and things, right? So yeah. I actually had a proxy case that's just fantastic. Um, and it's a woman actually who lives in China. And the, the woman who's consulting with me is her practitioner. And uh, she's a Chinese woman. She speaks the language, right? So, cause the woman in China doesn't speak English. And she was, she went on a, on a trip and she went into whatever country she went to. And she, I think what happened is she came back either with a conflict shock of some sort into the lung, like a grief shock, or she has a parasite that got into her lung tissue. Something got into her lung tissue because she came back with a lung irritation. You don't just go on a trip, come back with a lung irritation. And then what they did is they diagnose her with cancer. And they tell, so basically they tell her that she's always, always had this cancer and it's been just growing and it just happened to like now emerge, right? And I'm like, no, there was never, that was never what it was. It was something else, but we won't know now because she went through the, the medical procedures and she had, um, they didn't cut the, the growth or whatever they said they couldn't, for whatever reason they, they give, they did meddle with her, uh, lymph nodes. However, they cut out a bunch of lymph nodes and they did do some chemo and some radiation. And, and then, uh, she was like, something's wrong. She contacted this woman and this is where it would be. So this is a year out. This is started a year ago where we began helping her. And when she came to me, she couldn't move. She couldn't get out of bed. And she, her whole side where they intervened was all locked up. She couldn't lift her arm. She could hardly move her arm. She couldn't move her neck. Everything was swollen. Fluid was starting to build. She was getting all kinds of complications. She's fear for her life, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I've been instructing the practitioner what to do. And one of the things was to start to clean out the lymph and detox the body and move lymph fluids. We focused on draining and moving the fluid, which we did. And she finally got mobility. And then we kept doing the detox and we kept giving her the herbs and the things we were doing. And she slowly regained her health. And to the point where, you know, I think we we're at nine or 10 months in, she decided she'd go out on a vacation again. <laughs> so she goes on this vacation for three weeks, but she stops her protocol. And which I never recommend at that stage because you can still set yourself back a little bit, right? Because you have to keep the detox going. And what happens? She gets back. She feels fine. She feels fine. Energy's great. Sleeping great. No, hardly anything symptomatically. Mm -hmm. Goes to the doctor, says, you know what? I should have a checkup because I feel so awesome. So I'm probably cancer free now. So I should check. So what happens? Her, you know, how they have the CA markers, all the different cancer markers and stuff, right? Her markers are outrageous. They are through the roof. Every marker you can imagine is all pinging, right? And they're like, you're going to die. You're, this is, you're full. You're just fully metastasized. You have cancer everywhere. It's everywhere now. This is what's happened. Blah, 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 blah. Like shaming her, trying to pressure her into more chemo radiation, all this kind of garbage. And I was like, wait a second, wait a second. What is going on here? Right. 
from the perspective, the body knows what it's doing. The body's breaking down this waste. The body is now got stopped its detox process for three weeks and comes back and tests like that. What's happening? These are breakdown particles. They're just all break their enzymes. They're literally enzymes breaking down tissue. That's what they are. And she's full of them. So I'm like, okay, perfect. <laughs> she's like, what? No, this is good. I said, now continue to detox. Now continue with the coffee enemas and all the things you're doing, right? Get back on the detox train and get this out of your blood. It's good news. And, and it was amazing because it was a sea change for this practitioner that I've been, you know, giving this to, tutelage to. Mm -hmm. She's like, I, I, it clicked for her. She's like, I get it now. I get it. It's all of these things, the way that the, the establishment displays the symptom is as bad. But if you reframe it properly, you understand that this is a bodily mechanism that is trying to repair and that's normal. It would be, wouldn't it be normal if you were breaking down all this scar tissue and all this surgical wounds and fascial scar tissue now from all the cutting and, and just, just cutting in, in itself damages etheric field and all this repair work. And then you had whatever still was in the lung, still in the lung, whatever it was, whether it was a parasite, whether it was mold spores, whatever, we still don't know. Right. And, and now you're actually increasing the dis dissolving of that in the healing phases moving forward. Wouldn't you find enzymes high of high activity breaking down those specific bits of whatever they're calling markers? I would say so. And so now we're going, she's feeling great. There's no signs of anything else, right? You're not seeing Lamay, like her, her lamenting. You don't not seeing her in, in this uh, wasting. She's not wasting. She's not losing weight. Nothing. There's no other symptom. So I'm like, okay, so let's just keep her detoxing and we will go back and she will get another test and it'll be all clear. Okay. Just, just like how antibodies, same idea, antibodies just coming in to help to clean out, to break, to break down, to cleave and to cut and to get things out of the body. Exact same thing. This just all fancy talk right. for a normal bodily process to me. It was a eureka moment in a lot of levels. And I, I think I'm going to write up that case because it's just okay. a case in point. This is how the body actually works. And if you trust it, listen to it, and you support it, it will do things that are actually can be kind of freaky, right? I said, I said to her, isn't it, isn't it a very brave stance to be a real healer? Is it, it's a, you have to be very courageous and you have to know, and you have to trust, like you have to have real trust in this body and this organism that is doing the right thing. And you have to not meddle when you think you want to meddle, right? You want to intervene. You can't, you got to like, let it do its thing. And you got to think about support and, yeah. and how that's going to progress. And she's like, yeah, I see why there's not so many real healers out there because it's kind of daunting. So, yeah, I know. And you have to have intuition. You have to, you have to work this part of this, this part of your mind to know whether something's correct or not, because you're not I'm not looking at, I can look at scans and whatever. I can read all this stuff. I don't care though, because that's not the value. This is why they're so blind. These doctors are so blind. They rely on these, these, these scans and blood tests and numbers, and they don't see the body. They don't see the person. They just, they're looking on a piece of paper and you can come up with all kinds of theories. Of, it's this way or that way or this way. But now when you're really seeing the, the symptoms, and you understand from the German new medicine perspective, and you understand that the body's intel innately intelligent and that it's based on nutrition and you feed that forward, you get miracles. You really do. That's beautiful.
So to circle back to people who have been indoctrinated, like I love Zach Bush's work on, um, you know, fulvic acid, for example, and, and how to how that can leach glyphosate out of the system. I, I love that. I love him for that. But then when he starts to say things like, oh, viruses are a packet of information that you can transmit between people, I kind of go, uh, I don't think that's correct. We've mm. kind of, uh, unearthed that that's not correct. Um, it's, it sounds like in every case, whether it's a somatid or all these different types of things that the mainstream would call a virus, it's an endogenous creation of the, of the body. It's not something that you can give to another. Uh, whereas things like parasites are things that you could, you know, pick up uh, from another. So there's a difference. Yeah, there's a big difference. Because think about the, the world we live in and all the creatures in it, right? We have all kinds of bugs, right? We have big bugs and we have really, 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 really tiny bugs. And tiny bugs could get into your body. And if you have food for tiny bugs, then they'll be like, oh, hey, they'll come into your body. And if there's nothing there, they're not going to hang around. They're only going to come in if the vibration matches, right? So there's a vibrational understanding there. And also if there's an actual buffet presented to for them to eat. Right. Why else would they want to be there? They're not going to hang out if they're not, what, for just because they want to bug you? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what I mean? They want something from you. If you don't have it, they're not going to hang around. And so, for the listeners, I'm sure you've come to understand by now at this point in the conversation, something like a parasite is a real living bug, uh, whereas something like a virus is dead. Mm -hmm. Transmit it from person to person. It's And they're, they're breakdown products. They are breakdown products. Like the virus... The viruses that the majority are studying and calling all of these things are um, basically just end waste products of bacteria or part, part you know, if you, you could put them together back into bacteria a lot of the times, they're just waste materials from a process that's happened in the body. And they're, they've either been used as a solvent to break something down or like a soap kind of idea because Andreas uh, von der Plank, 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 I can't say his name very well, but he talks, he, he's actually a proponent of raw meat and stuff, which I, 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 I'm i not personally, but whatever, whatever works for you. But I'm just saying that, you know, he's saying he's on that because he's saying, look, raw meat is not what you think. It's not full of ba bad bacteria and all this stuff. Like you can actually technically eat it and, and whatever. So he's coming at the germ theory falsities from a different place but still he's he's talking about it like these are just soaps basically they're breaking down some something that can't be broken down with a white blood cell for example it's not the way that there's imagine all the different things you have inside your body you have oils you have water-based things you have you know different cellular materials and they're going to have to have different products to collect them and to properly metabolize them and move them out. So if you have tons of bacteria that are coming in, doing great work, they have a life cycle of their own, they will either change back into shape, but eventually they'll die. I mean, eventually they're going to, they're not going to live forever. And then they're going to break down. You're going to see little nucleic acid bits from them. You're going to see little um, lipid bilayer pieces from them and whatever. And just because you collect that into a soup and it's smaller than the bacteria because it's actually broken down from the bacteria doesn't mean it's a cult. It's it's this violent thing that's going to come and hurt you, right? And it's, it's that's why I say that's why I often call this. It's all like a big magic show, yes. because 
it's just really taking a, an, an inert particle and making it into a, like putting a story around it and selling it on the television to the, it's like a children's story, like a scary, you know, fantasy sure. that you're selling to someone is reality. Like as if Star Trek's reality or any of these things are reality, right? Like it's just a story and it's just, if it's so close to reality, right? Then it's confusing. Sorry, I was, I was just gonna say, it's interesting that Fauci is behind both the uh, the PSYOP of the HIV hoax, as well as this current hoax. Um, and, you know, and it's interesting that Kerry Mullis, who invented the PCR technology, I've seen video footage of him saying, Fauci is the kind of person who will go, you know, he'll lie for the government, he'll go on TV, and he will be their pawn, and he'll lie for them, like a sociopath would, like an energy vampire would. Mm -hmm. And so the one sort of thing, because I, I, I I've, I've taught sort of naked yoga to gay men and stuff. And some of the older gay men will say, well, Will, if you say this HIV doesn't exist, I know people who before AZT even existed, were dying. So what were they dying of? And I say, well, it could be that whole story that's infiltrated their psyche. That could be part of it. It's probably multifactorial as to why a lot of those men were drug addicts. A lot of them were getting fisted every night, doing heroin, taking high doses of Cipro, which is a very potent um, anti-cancer antibiotic that you know was probably just destroying them. Like, I mean, there's so many other reasons why all these gay men were dying in these major city centers. So I don't know if you want to comment on anything about that. Oh yeah, and and Dr. Lanka talks about that at length. He and and Wilner talks about it, and um, there's uh, T.C. Fry talks about. It. There's a lot of brilliant minds who have discussed the the behaviors of you know certain populations of people that party did poppers. A lot of it was PCP stuff, and like Lanka talks about that. And it was poppers is like um, amyl nitrate. It's kind of like putting your nose up to the exhaust pipe of a of a car. Well, yeah. it's and it's a momentary like thing, and it's very addictive as well, right? Like a yeah, uh, it doesn't last very long. So you're doing a lot, right? If you're doing it, and so of course you're going to have problems with what they're calling the functional immune system at that point, right? When you're so overloaded with toxins and you're confusing your communication, like your metabolic communication. Um, you're going to get a specific syndrome by your behavior. And so when you have a host of people doing a similar behavior, then you'll get the syndrome and they rode that they loved that that was useful to the agenda and to, you know, bring in fear and disseminate certain populations. And also imagine in Africa, there's a huge HIV, you know, AIDS crisis, whatever, but that's a long saga as well. And I believe it's uh, Ellison goes into that in detail how that scam happened with the PCR test and freaking people out and scaring them and getting them on the drugs. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of our, the, the deep state or the handlers or the whatever group, you know, of these, um, these longstanding families um, that are very psycho, um, they really, A, they like to experiment on populations like they're doing right here. They've even said that this vaccine, by the way, is still an experiment ongoing. They're literally experimenting on you right now. Like with people getting it, it's still an experiment. It's in experimental phase until 2023. I don't think people have clued into that, that they're literally being experimented on by their own dictates. And that also under the Nuremberg uh, Code, by the way, all doctors and nurses are now liable because if they don't tell the patient that this is an experiment before they administer the thing, they can be tried under the Nuremberg um, Code. So they could actually go to jail for that. When this all washes out, 
all those doctors and nurses that disseminated this are can be put in jail. Like they could they could go to jail for it. I don't think they realize the the weight of that. So they should be thinking twice yeah. about giving it. You have to have full give full disclosure under the Nuremberg Code. It says very clearly there if you don't give disclosure uh, that it's an experimental vaccine, then you have lied to them. You haven't given disclosure, and that's actually criminal. That's a criminal offense. So it's kind of woo when you look at it like that, right? But I just kind of Google. I just Google Pfizer criminal record and i mean it's right there for everybody to see it's it's preposterous the the type of criminality and it's like to think that anybody would think that would be a company a group of humans on the planet that would be good to trust is oh, so yeah. um and then back to your comment about you know the whole aids hoax in africa specifically i watched a movie called house of numbers and i actually got to meet with the director and something called the bongui definition i could be bastardizing that word but it's basically four criteria that usually western doctors will look at you know an africans oh they've lost some weight they've got some thrush okay they've got aids and they don't even have to give them an hiv test which is a hoax test as well but it's just like because a lot of people are like well i saw all the aids orphans in africa so it must be real and it, it goes back to your point about not using your mind mm -hmm. you just jump to conclusions it's like those people are starving they don't have any clean water they've just been labeled as having a demon inside of them and then their villages are putting them in a little hut away from the rest and not feeding them, of course, they're going to be emaciated and die. Absolutely. It's a, it's a way of genociding a certain population that you don't like. I mean, that's, they've, they've been racist all along. I mean, they're white supremacists, most of them. I mean, they, 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 I think they hate everybody, but I think they like to target certain populations more than other, probably for fun because they're, they're psychos. Right. So I can't pretend to be in their heads. That's for sure. But you know, they, they don't like all kinds of groups of people. So they just, experiment and try to destroy and they definitely have a genocidal you know and uh, uh eugenics agenda that's that's very easy to to trace back margaret sanger and planned parenthood and bill gates they're all they're all eugenicists and they're open about it it's not hard to to find either that's what's so shocking to me about everything and then you have um uh we just lost david crow last year yeah, and he, so he was very you know vocal about the hiv situation he was like look you can have your criteria okay all you want but if so, so someone presents with like TB and, and weight loss, now they have HIV even with a negative HIV test. Like that doesn't make it like, it's so random, right? They could have a, a three or four of the criteria and still a negative HIV test. And they're still labeled as HIV positive. I mean, it was just, it's absurd. And they brought, they brought the scammer Fauci in again, because he was, he knew how to use and utilize the whole PCR process scam, right? He's already seasoned in altering the idea of how PCR works. So he knows how that scam, you know, works or doesn't work, right? Which is not even a test, it's a technique. And I think they had to get rid of Mullis right before this happened, because if Mullis was alive now, are you kidding? He has the authority right? Because he was the one who invented it. And he was very vocal about you don't use this test this way. You don't, you don't, you can't tell me that I have a virus or not using this. You cannot. And he was very, very, very vocal about it. So they had to squash him because he would be all over the place right now. If, if he was here, he would be, and people go, oh, Hey, he was the one who invented PCR and he's the one who got a Nobel prize for doing it. And so I think he has some weight behind him as a doctor and as a scientist. Right. Yeah. So 
he, it would have they would have lost the the story. Everything's about keeping the story going as long as they can. And while they haze people with their um, cult rituals, which is you know cover face covering ritual, whether it's a mask or now a visor, they don't even care anymore. As long as you obey, as long as you say yes to it, because everything is contingent upon your free will and accepting it. And so the most, the, the strongest thing you have is to say no. The strongest thing that you can do is to not give them any free will. Like you're not, you're not complying ever because the more you comply, the more they say, Oh, see, you gave us permission to do it. So we're going to do it. Right. right. That's why they need, that's why they're making people go to the back doors now who won't wear masks and stuff. So they, so other people won't see you anymore because they're trying to, create a whole new thinking in the population under this deep mind control that you're not normal if your face is shown, right? That's that's part of this whole thing. I got to go to the back door to go get my mail. They won't let me in. Even with an exemption, they won't let me in. Wow. That's crazy. My doctor won't even give me an exemption. I've got asthma and he won't even write. He's like, we've been told not to give any exemptions. And I was like, oh. So annoying, but it's such a good boy. You're do what you told you. Good boy. Good boy. (laughs) I I saw, I was grateful at the grocery store next door to me. It says on the thing, it's human rights tribunal. Uh, If you've got a medical condition, we're not going to ask you uh, to show any paperwork. We'll trust that you're, you know, so I I was grateful. There was that little piece there. Uh, Whereas at Whole Foods, which is owned by Amazon, it's like they freak out at you if you don't wear a mask. Whereas at Urban Fair, they're, they're pretty chill about it. Um, well, I was, there was one more thing I was going to ask you. Um, I think that's, I think that's it's it. about HIV? Was it on that side yeah. of thing? Um, it'll come back to me. Um, quickly, do you have any recommendation for DMSO for hair loss besides this formula that you recommend in your book? And then also like, can you use DMSO for warts? I've got a small wart on my foot. Okay. Well, um, DMSO is going to increase circulation and that's the goal when we're talking about for encouraging hair growth. Right. And I do have that in the book. I talk about that, Mm -hmm. but there's different hair loss. Like there's different reasons for hair loss and you have to consider that. So what we're trying to do with the DMSO is increase the circulation to the hair shaft itself so that the hair will get the nutrition to stabilize it. But if your blood doesn't have the nutrition in it, it's not going to work that well. So if you want the hairspray to work really well for you, then you would upregulate your nutrition. You would start to eat really well. You may need to supplement with certain things. If if your gut is already in disarray and you're not absorbing that well, right? You've got to still fix your gut. Then you might need to do a little bit of supplementation or something like that. In the meanwhile, to get that blood full of the nutrients that you're asking it to deliver now with the DMSO to the hair to grow it, right? Mm -hmm. So just think about it like a puzzle. What's in hair? Just simple question. What is in hair? Well, there's biotin, there's proteins, right? There's keratin. So there's all these things inside the hair. So go look up what's in the hair and go, okay, what in my diet do I need to have that would support hair growth, right? And like sulfur is part of that component. If I take MSM sulfur, I find hair, skin and nails grows much better, for example. So you could do a combo where you take 
MSM sulfur, which also happens to heal the gut and it happens to detox you by increasing glutathione and sports the liver and sports the blood. It's actually a derivative of DMSO. So they work, both of them work well together. Yes. Topical use, get the blood flow up, strengthen Topical the hair. Mm -hmm. What's that? Topical use of, of MSM and or DMSO. No, no um, so MSM is a derivative of DMSO and it's like a crystal. It's in a crystalline format, whereas DMSO is in a liquid format. So the liquid is not, you can do liquid internal and external. I have protocols in my book on how to take it internally as well, but you do get the garlic breath. So a lot of people don't like it. So usually what I suggest, if you want to date, um, you may want to uh, just ingest MSM sulfur one teaspoon twice a day, work up to that dose, start slow. And then just use topical DMSO so you don't get the whole breath uh, turning off, you know, nice. people sort of thing. Yeah. I've started taking the MSM several months ago and it seems to be helping. I'm getting it. Look, it feels like there's little grow, little babies growing in. So oh, that, good. That feels good. And I, I don't know if you've heard of Purium, the superfoods company out of, out of the States. Mm -hmm. uh, so I basically like, I'm a brand partner with them. So I, I kind of just have two of their, you know, power shakes a day, which is like carrots and wheatgrass and, uh, spirulina and chlorella and all these different, uh, you know, uh, green, basically green smoothie, uh, nice. along with the super amino 23, which is the master amino, master amino profile amino okay. acids. So I take that okay. twice a day. And then I have the biomedic, which is basically the humic and fulvic acid. And then in the evening, I have like a really healthy meal, usually, uh, you know, some grass fed, you know, grass finished beef or something with some vegetables, organic vegetables. And then before bed, I have the tart cherry juice. So it seems, I mean, it's easy. It's kind yeah. of That's a good protocol, you know, and then you got to watch stress because stress affects hormones. And it also could be like a male pattern baldness hormone thing too, right? So what I'm saying is there can be multiple cause. It could be a nutritional deficiency, lack of blood flow, hormone imbalance, uh, could even be mites. I've had lots of cases of hair loss and it's literally hair mites that have, they lay their eggs inside the shaft of the, the hair shaft. Uh, in the follicle and they because of all the eggs it actually expands the the pore so the hair falls out because wow. just just by a space occupying thing it's so gross to think that there's eggs but so pattern thing i think but looks pattern to me so i would probably go hormonal more so yeah I'm taking um like zinc in the form of uh irish moss like an organic yep organic Irish moss. I think it's got lots of zinc and iodine. I've also heard uh, nettle root is really good for the male pattern situation. Yep. So yeah, I like uh, nettle has a lot of vitamin C as well. Vitamin C will in, uh, assist the integrity of all the cells like skin cells and that sort of thing is and that's important. I usually suggest high dose vitamin C across the board. Um, and then, you know, liver right? So you have to take care of your liver and you have to make sure that your testosterone is appropriate and that sort of thing. So, you know, herbs like black cohosh is really helpful at supporting your progesterone levels, which is going to feed forward into your other hormones. So I like to go either DHEA or like progesterone side of the pathway, and then that'll feed all your other hormones going forward. I don't like tinkering with the ends that yeah. much because you have to be very refined when you do that. So if you just go upstream and sort of offer it to the body and then let the body sort it out what it wants, then that's the easier way to do things than coming in and very titrating very specifically things uh, at the ends already. Right. So 
you know, and then zinc is important because zinc is going to ensure you don't make the DH, the, the bad testosterone. Right. So there's the dihydroxy testosterone. That's like the bad testosterone, which basically is more pro-inflammatory and leads to the male pattern baldness thing and also prostate problems and things. So the zinc is uh, supporting the aromatase um, inhibitor enzyme that will make sure you make the, the good testosterone, the, the, the testosterone that gives you, you know, muscle definition and hair growth and like all those things that you need for sperm development, blah, 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 blah. Right. So, and, and vitamin C in from a natural source, for example, I take C from nature from Purium, which is like amla berry, acerola, cherry, kamu, yeah. kamu. Uh, and then yeah, I love food base. The food base is the way, always the way to go. If you can not always practical for some people, like I tend to start people off on like, I assess them as to where they're comfortable with. And it's, if they're like people who are used to lots of pills, then we just like, okay, let's move on to these nicer pills. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll work on food because food takes time. You know, you can't just jump into food, right? They have to buy new things. They have to think a new way. They have to cook differently or prepare foods differently. So it's yeah. all this new learning for them, right? So, um, so usually I just go, let's this bad pill goes and we'll just, nice pill and then we'll go from there. And usually I'll say in between like a, a, a three to six month protocol, and then they wean off those things and they only need to do some maybe intermittently if they haven't been eating well for a while or something like that. That's to me how I like to use most supplements. And then everything else should be food, superfoods, you know, lots, I do like lots of powders, like superfood powders and stuff, especially in North America, where you're not getting a lot of life outside because <laughs> yeah. it's winter. Yeah. Um, any suggestions for warts? Oh yeah. Warts. So easy warts are easy. So warts are usually a specific toxin that's trying to come out and it just hasn't completed. It's just, it's just like a stuck healing. Mm. Like any growth is like a stuck healing if it's not progressing right forward. Mm. So apple cider vinegar, just put apple cider vinegar on like a, a, a cotton ball use, like use an organic cotton one. So it's not bleached mm. and um, just get uh, tape and just tape it over the wart before bed. So it's like pretty soaked, put it on, go to bed in the morning, take it off. You can put a little bit of tea tree oil, essential oil on there or DMSO with a bit of tea tree or lavender essential oil, just something pure just by day. And then just keep doing that. And eventually what will happen is it'll turn white first and it'll turn black and then it'll fall right off and it'll be gone. So that's the easiest way to do it. That's great to know. I did get, uh, cause it just became legal in Canada. I think it's called like nitric oxide. It's kind of like cryotherapy. It's the most yeah. legal now. And it, it did work. Like I just burned the hell out of it and it kind of turned kind of black. And then after several weeks it fell off, mm -hmm. but, uh, but it's always nice to, to know that there's, you know, other ways to, to do things. And that if it didn't come, if it didn't complete from the, from the root. Mm -hmm. So from the base root of the wart, if that, a pedicle, the footing of it didn't come off with the cry with the no, then it'll come back again. Right. So, so that's why you want to just do the apple cider vinegar, which is full of like microbes and stuff, and it will just eat it all the way and get rid of it. Awesome. Yeah. Then that's and you you hit the nail on the head. It's like with the holistic world of medicine, it's like there's so many different ways that we can heal ourselves, and it's never a one size fits all thing. 
So when the dominator system says, well, you all have to get vaccinated or you're all gay and, you know, you all have to be on AIDS drugs, you know, like all my gay friends are on. Well, actually, I have a new set of friends. So now my new friends where we don't identify with labels that the universe, that the uh, the dominator system, the matrix, as it were, uh, uses to divide and control us. So I don't call I don't call myself I don't call myself or my friends gay or straight anymore because I realize those are just labels and that the that the matrix uses to divide and, and control us and it's like the moment you identify as gay you have to like put a rainbow sticker on your car and vote democrat and wear a crop top and talk like this oh my god i'm so happy to see you amanda thanks for being on my show or you take you take the bear route and you have to have a pot belly and a beard and talk like yeah, yeah. so it's, it's nice to to do away with all those labels and you know there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong you know with same sex love but if it's being sort of um amplified by sort of like an atrazine poisoning i don't think it's very authentic no yes that's the that's it authentic right not manipulative not agenda based not pigeonholing you not trying to drive your psyche some way not trying to you know yes again who are you right and what what's your experience supposed to be maybe you were supposed to experience being gay and also straight in the same lifetime you know yeah. that's but even the two-spirit i love that and i would identify as like two-spirit or like a shaman like apparently many ancient cultures the shaman was what we would call the faggot mm -hmm. um, and and apparently when the white people came over and started to colonize canada the they would call the shamans berdash which in french means slut or prostitute because they were usually biological males who were kind of more sort of in touch with their feminine energy mm. so they killed them off first mm. so they would cut the tribe off from their spiritual connection mm. and so even as a sham a modern day shaman what i realize is things like atrazine and heavy metals and not taking care of myself and eating shit food with no nutrient value with destroyed gut lining made it really hard to embody my divine masculine part of myself and it kind of shunted me into this kind of pinched off sort of uh, unbalanced feminine where I just wanted to like suck dick all the time. <laughs> and then I realized like, oh, like I was trying to get masculine energy from outside of myself. And now that I've cleaned out the glyphosate and the atrazine, I mean, if the atrazine is making frogs, but male frogs, butt fuck each other all the time, what is it doing to us? Once I got that out of me, it's like, okay, now I can just meditate and like, I can actually feel my testicles for the first time. And I can feel that masculine polarity within me. And then it's not this compulsive urge to have sex with others. It's coming from a more whole place. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing more delicious than feeling more whole. Absolutely. And it's so, it's so powerful that we step into our roles in that empowered way, rather than that uncertainty and that fear and that non-anchoredness that can come, right? Where you're you're not sure of your, your own sexuality. I mean, if you're confused about your sexuality, that's a process, but you're not meant to stay in that. You're meant to figure some, to figure it out. Like what, what's happening with you, right? What are your desires? What are you, what's your, again, it comes back to me. It always comes back to like purpose. What are you here for? What are your goals? What are you trying to learn? And how are you trying to perfect your soul force and like gain some sort of merit through this experience, right? It's to me, it's not just to sit around and do nothing. And maybe we do have lives where we sit around and do nothing. That's fine. But I'm saying in this particular life, it seems very goal oriented. It's always like moving forward in a goal like 
manner, right? To achieve, there's an achievement. And so if there's achievements in this life, then we're meant to actually like achieve. And, and that means changing and that means learning new things. And that means growing. And that means, oh, you know, maybe I was this way then, and now I've realized I'm this way and I learned this and I've been enveloped to that. And, and that's, that's the mark of, of a soul expanding. And I think that's part of this inward breath, outward breath experience that we go through um, forever. I think, I think we just keep doing it because for eternity, so we better, I'm sure we've had all kinds of <laughs> lifetimes and experiences and, 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 and new fresh things in our reality. And I, I guess we like that as my assumption, mm-hmm. actually, I wanted to mention my, my, um, uh, personal assistant is he's gay man. And, uh, he, his partner was, they were both diagnosed HIV positive mm-hmm. and, uh, he didn't, he's like, yeah, that's, I know I can heal my body. And I, I, I understand that. So I'm going to, he just did research and he basically just changed his diet and his lifestyle and he healed himself. Wow. Well, Dr. Northrup, when she was on the show, I was shocked what she's told me. She's like, she was rewriting like the third edition of women's bodies, wisdom, women's wisdom. And she said for that, she was interviewing gay men who had healed themselves of HIV AIDS using natural methods. And then her her publisher down at Bantam in New York just freaked out on her and said, "You cannot put this in the book. If you put this in the book, we're not. You know, this is not happening. We we know men who are only alive because of the drug, the pharmaceuticals. You cannot put this in the book." And sure enough, like I have, I got the fifth edition. It still is is from the germ theory of like you need to get a test. I'm like Christiane, because like I know her now. Like she's been a mentor of mine. She connected me with Kelly Brogan. And, and Kelly Brogan was like, do not, do not, nobody should be taking those drugs that are based on outdated scientific narratives and robust industry profits. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, keep going about Fabian. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's spot on. I mean, it's, it's it, if you have eyes to see, it's like this stuff's, you know, it's not difficult. And that's why it's so hard for those of us who can see to go, how can you not see that <laughs> to, to many of these other people that are still just following along in their little stories, like they're in a soap opera. If, want, a- if you're gay, they want you on AIDS drugs that I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening don't know that. Like if, if you identify as a gay man, whether or not you test positive or negative with their hoax test, they want you on AIDS drugs. But why? Like what? I don't like that was one I could never figure out. Like they is- are they are telling gay men that um, if you get on the AIDS drugs, even if you test negative, then you can have as much butt sex as you want and you'll never get AIDS or you'll never get HIV because the Truvada will protect you. Well, I just mm-hmm. was on Facebook. I don't like Facebook. I keep getting put in jail for me too. Tantrum. <laughs> But I just got out of Facebook jail, so I for like the thirteenth time, and I this ad popped up. It's like, have you been injured by Truvada? You may be entitled to compensation. So it's like it's just I was really kind of like, oh, that's interesting. People are at because it's sad. Like when I got into Germanic New Medicine, and all my gay friends were like, come on, like just take the Truvada, and then you can have as much butt sex as you want. And something just didn't sit right with me. And I I got the package insert. I went to the pharmacist and. I was like, can I have all like the pharmaceutical manuscript that you have for Truvada? And they were like, you want all of it? I'm like, yes, could you please print out all of it? So they print out like 100 pages of information. I read it. Bone fractures, kidney failure, liver damage, a hump of fat on your neck. Like, I was like, "Uh, no, thank you. Like, Jesus Christ. No. 
Yeah. It's it's and and so obviously they they test on on people and populations and they want to sell the drugs and if they can manipulate an entire gay population to believe that if you're on that drug you can enjoy your life and you don't have to worry about stuff that's a huge profit I mean that's massive I mean right if they can if they can tweak the drug that won't kill you that fast you know then they can milk you before you die <laughs> so. That's that's usually what why they do you know a yeah. lot of these these so tests. So, so Fabian and his partner they they both mm -hmm. had a positive test they're fine they haven't taken any of these. His partner did start doing the EZT got really really sick almost died um, and then I can't remember the rest of the story I think he either stopped and started to listen to him and and change it or something because he's fine now so I think that's what happened is he just said why are you doing this you know. I know you wanted to do it and I wanted to give you our your autonomy to like make your own choices because it's called health freedom. Everybody means that I'm responsible for my body. You're responsible for your body. And if you want to do the drugs, I'll give you all the information and you can choose, but I don't want to. So you don't have to force, you can't force me to do it. Right. So he, he was very uh, kind about that. And then, you know, finally, I think he came on board and, and decided yeah. to get well. You know when that all went down, like when they were, because I know in like the first, uh, you know, round of drugs was like a cocktail, uh, predominantly AZT. Oh, yeah. And then um, they never actually finished the placebo control trial for AZT. And then they would just create a new drug, some new class of drug called HAART, highly active antiretroviral treatment. So that would be the control group. And then they would use the AZT as the uh, placebo group and of course so you know it's not really science and they just keep doing that as they develop these new 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 generations of these aids mm -hmm. drugs they'll just test it against the second most recent right that's what they do with vaccines too they'll just test a vaccine against a different vaccine they don't do proper placebo controlled studies and stuff they won't even they won't even test it without the metals and the other junk like they won't even just do like a saline shot or anything. It has to be with all the adjuvants in it and everything as well when wow. they do their so-called placebos. So they're not good. They're always going to get numbers where they'll have the same amount of people die. Right. So if you have, if you give the poison and then you give partial poison <laughs> and you get like five die and one six die in the next, it's like, well, it's negligible. So they all, so it just was random. It had nothing to do with it. Right. So they can fudge their numbers better that way. So it's the same idea, right. Where you can just like, one drug against the other so it's fine it's safe because the old the same 20 people died in both groups <laughs> so <laughs> clever clever stuff right but evil evil people don't know the evil they don't know what that is i think in this kali yuga that we're in it's like hey here's all the evil <laughs> look at it <laughs> look at it <laughs> It's like no, it burns. It burns, right? Like that sort of thing. But if we face it, if we just own it, own the caca, own it, then we can transform it. You can't throw out garbage that you can't pick up. You're not going to magically throw it away. You have to actually pick it up to put it in the bin. So that means you have to own the evil. You have to acknowledge that it exists in order to change it. Otherwise, if you keep ignoring that it's right there then it's never going to change and they'll just destroy you. So this is where we're at. And I think we're in some pretty cool times because everyone I've talked to that's woke, they have the same sort of story, which is kind of getting me excited actually, because it says 
on the one hand, oh my gosh, like this is, whoa, right? This is, what kind of reality is this all of a sudden? This is weird, right? And then on the other hand, it's like, but all these other good things are happening in my life too, right? And and that's, so both is happening. Really cool, awesome, good, wonderful things that are all new and aside, and then from this in this other craziness, right? So that's it's fascinating. I mean, like it's, because of this hoax, like I feel so connected to community. I get to speak with amazing people like you. Uh, the whole AIDS thing has been further clarified for me by people like you and Dr. Kaufman. I got to speak with Stefan Lanka a few years ago on the phone. He was really helpful. And then his his best one of his best friends, Dean, I've been speaking. I don't know if you got to speak with Dean Browse, but he's this awesome Swiss guy. And just like cultivating community because we're herd creatures. And everything from our sense of robustness to our digestion to the way our skin looks, you know, I believe it's influenced by whether or not we feel like we have a herd around us. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's very fascinating because I met my partner in 2020 and it just, he just came I'm like, there he is, just, there he just appeared. I'm like, oh, that took you long enough. And, and my whole, both of our bodies have actually been changing, like been it's, it's, I don't know. I just, my body is becoming more, more good. Like it feels better. It feels better than it ever has. Right. And same with his, like we're just changing somehow. It's fascinating. It's like, what's happening here? I don't know. But since we met, there's been all these morphological changes that are happening inside of us. And I feel more in tune. I feel like I, I feel more driven to do deeper meditations, longer meditations, do more sound therapy and work with more frequencies, this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for the day where we bring back all of the Tesla stuff, where we, yes. where we understand that that static electricity is our free energy. Mm-hmm. If we can just clue in that why all in those ancient buildings, we had, we had these metal rods sticking up into the air everywhere. You, you look all, you know, hundreds of years ago, they had this tech. Wow. And where, why did it go? Where did it go? Why, why is it hidden from us? Right. Cause it's all static. They'd have static electricity generating towers in the town that would grab the elect- static electricity from the air. And then it would touch in on all those other towers. And that was free electricity to your house. Mm-hmm. And it's not that hard. So all we need are some inventors to step up and we'll create the new communities and we'll have our free energy. We don't need oil. We don't need any of that stuff. We can have it if we want, but we don't need it. Have right? you seen Thrive 2, the movie? What's it called? Thrive 2. Thrive 2, yeah. Yeah, and they get into free energy there, and that was just, that blew my mind. That guy. Who, coming. Yeah, that's so, so cool. So last, let's just finish off on this. How do you stay in, I hate using the word the vortex now, because I used to follow Abraham Hicks, and I, somebody just said, I used to love Abraham Hicks. And, Me too. But, but then I just watched, I don't know if you saw the video of, of Esther being like, we just really just what's coming through for us. We just love this vaccine. This is amazing. We should get the vaccine. We are. And I was like, oh, Esther, I think you got possessed by a demon right there. I think a demon. I don't think that was Abraham coming in right there. She's like, there are throngs of non-physical, you know, energies who once were doctors and scientists, and they're just so overjoyed that everybody will be getting the vaccine. And I was like, oh, dear, like, Whoa, um, that that kind of really turned me off, Abraham. Um, I was turned off Abraham a long time ago because really? I understand we're manifestors. I get it. 
done it, been there, I know we have the skill, okay? Because I've done it in my life. The vortex thing, the languaging, we have to be careful because I even, I would read like I, um, Jane Roberts stuff, the Seth, the Seth materials. I remember reading that like 15 years ago. I read, you know, Course in Miracles 10 years ago, whatever I read. So, or all these channeled works, gotta be super careful because 99% of them, <laughs> and I will go that high, are just tricked, trickster as astral entities trying to get some attention. Honestly, they're just toying. Most of them are just toying with us. So I don't trust channeling anymore. I don't trust any of that stuff. I just, you know what? I got me. I don't need somebody else to dictate to me stuff that I have access to. It's realizing we have access to it. And it's more simple than that. And how controlled opposition works and these sorts of things as they try to make you, they make a sensation for you to focus on rather than believing in your own empowerment and your own abilities and that you've got access to all kinds of knowledge inside of you. Right. And so they, it's like a cult. It makes it into like a cult following. And, and, and what's tricky is there's a lot of good things that those people will say, because it's not evil is not just come out and say, Ooh, you know, like it doesn't work like that. It's very insidious and it's very, it's, it's subtle right? And you don't know it's sneaking in. That's why I'm comparing, I compare a lot of this to narcissism, where if you understand how narcissists operate, they, they people love them. They're gregarious, they're generous, they're, at, you know, out in the public, everybody thinks they're awesome, but at home they're nasty, right? Or, or they'll uh, do something that will just mess with your head and confuse you and, and to, so that you don't know what you're, what's up and what's down anymore, right? So it's like, they're all lessons in self-love and self-care and um, understanding your power. And so I, I bow to them as players in this grand show to get us to come home to ourselves. All of it is to get us to come home to ourselves, right? So I don't need to blame and shame and do all that stuff. I can get angry at them. I can have a boundary and I can say, you're a jerk, go away. That's fine. But I can still, in saying that, still honor the fact that they played a role for the point that I have to get into my own um, self-worth and value and, and, and pick up my own pieces of my childhood and heal them and all this stuff that you have to do, right? Yeah. So it's it's both. And I think people don't get understand paradoxes. They can't hold two opposing thoughts together in their head at the same time, which I've always been able to do. I can do my own self-debating if I need to, right? And uh, there's masturbating and then there's self-debating. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And self-debating would be like the ancient Chinese way of masturbation, which was like solo cultivation where you master yourself and you're nourishing yourself. Yeah, exactly. And you're honoring yourself and you, you know, and it's not just hedonism. It's, it's, yeah. it's, you're, you're actually affecting your frequency and you're doing, you're doing spiritual cleansing of your field. Right. So there's all these beautiful things that I, I feel it awaits us now. That's what I'm excited about. Once all this nonsense gets put to bed, which it will, I know it will, because they can't keep playing the same communism card over and over again. You can't keep doing that. It's not what this place is about. Like I said, you learn the lesson over a few times, right? I think that we're going to have a splitting off going on here. Like Dolores Cannon, even though I don't believe everything she said, I don't think she was 100% copacetic either but she did say some things that you know my spiritual teacher would say 
file that. <laughs> so I filed that one because I knew it was going to be earmarked for a later understanding, right? And that was that there's this split happening right now. Yeah. And it's very, it's not about divide and conquer. It's like a two different worlds. Like we have the woke and the not woke, like yeah. deep slumber sleeping thing. And they might not join us. You know, we don't know, but we're doing it no matter what we're, we're branching off and we're doing all of these exciting things. I'm going to be interviewing Dean Clifford soon. Um, he's doing amazing stuff, building all these sovereign societies. We've got all kinds of people coming in with all kinds of skill sets where we're doing private businesses. We're not going to be under the public purview anymore of all of these corrupt governments and cartels and things that are run like mobs. Um, Alpha Vedic community. I saw you were on their podcast. They're a great community. Yep, absolutely. Alpha Vedic's doing the same thing. So it is happening. So we can we can focus on that now. I know we're trying to teach, and we know it's irritating because we have to go out into the matrix and deal with these sleepy people, which are just react to it. They react to people already reacted to me way before because I'm a good mirror for them. But now. <laughs> It's even more of a reaction. They're like, whoa, how can you walk around not wearing a mask? Whoa, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, then that's, we have to shine the light brighter. And if they go blind from it, then they can't handle it. That's their soul force or that's their decision or, you know, their free will. It's called yeah. free will. Yeah. And we're going to make those decisions for ourselves. That I don't like the imposition. So I have to stand up to the imposition of putting it on on us and trying to pin the tail on the donkey. Like when you're asleep, the shadow parts of people, they always project, right? Mm -hmm. They project onto you their stuff mm -hmm. because they can't, they're not doing the work of subconscious to conscious. They're not doing their introspection. They're not finding their shadow and bring it to light and processing. Like we started this whole talk off with, we start up doing shadow work. Inner child work is shadow work. Okay. So they're not doing their shadow work. They've been ignoring their shadow work, suppressing it. Right. So what do they do? Instead, they manifest it in the, in the reality, right? And so that they can see it reflected back to them. And what they're supposed to do is go, oh, that's me. <laughs> that's just me. And thank you for holding the mirror to my stuff. And then now should see it as a pattern mm -hmm. and figure out that it's the pattern is, is my stuff and I need to get a hold of that and figure it out. Right. But right. then people are like, why does this always happen to me? Why do I always, you know, have this experience over and over again? Well, look, look to you, look to yourself. It's about you. Mm -hmm. It's about your reflect because you're not going in. Right. So that's, this is ping pong going on out here all the time. So I don't like to go out. I don't like to go out with that. You know? yeah, I've just been like ordering my stuff from like living libations and I'll be ordering it from you. And I don't know if you've heard of living libations, but they're a great company. Yeah. They're up here. They're in Halliburton here. Oh, nice. Yeah. There's stuff. Like yeah, I know I, them. So I put on some of their ozonated, um, what it was it, like, sort of like a gum ozonated gum drops and stuff. And I, I heard you talking with Sasha on her Southern collective podcast about ozonated olive oil. So I'm getting some of that from Sasha's friend, uh, for, for helping just to, I think the cavities healed. I just realized there is a biological dentist here in Vancouver. So I'm going to go to them, but 
uh, I was told that I had a cavity. We're going to have to fill it. Well, I was like, I don't want to get it filled. And it actually was from when I had braces and the, the brace was grooving into the tooth and caused it to weaken. Then I went to see this hygienist and she was super aggressive and she chipped a part of the tooth off and then it became a cavity. And so um, I've been healing it, healing it naturally. And, and uh, it was painful. I also think I did get a penicillin shot um because there was like a, a potential syphilis scare and oh you have to get a syphilis and this was before i was really grounded in gnm and it was interesting within you know several hours after getting the shot that tooth just started to throb but i think what happened is the penicillin or the adjuvants in it threw off the milieu of the microbes in the in the mouth not only the gut and then that exacerbated what was going on there um, I did hear about something called silver diamine fluoride. I'm not a proponent of fluoride, but I just wanted to see if that would help. And it hardened it up. Like the mm -hmm. silver goes in and deals with any sort of overgrowth of microbes, apparently. And then the fluoride hardens it up a little bit. Because uh, when the dentist poked it, it was quite gooey and spongy. And now it's just like pretty good it's not as hard as the initial enamel but it's like not gooey or spongy anymore i did that along with nadine's book like following her protocols of holistic dental care it's got like an eight step dental care oh, yeah. you do every night including like brushing your gums and putting essential oil to inhibit porum sensing on your floss and uh you know so anyway i think i've got the cleanest teeth in the city now <laughs> and uh it's always it's always fun to learn to learn more and you know it's it's like our teeth are not rocks in our heads no and there's the dynamic tissue people don't understand that it's dynamic tissue which means it is constantly tearing down and rebuilding our bones same thing right we have multiple cells involved in constantly tearing down and rebuilding and that means you can reform them. They're not, you know, well, there it is, right? I mean, so you can help the, also the, the natural toothbrush brush that Nadine talks about, right? Where the lymphatic system in the mouth is operating in the proper format so that it's not actually sucking in waste. It's actually pushing out waste. Right. That's how the body's designed. That's why, you know, when Western A. Price was going around and trying to figure out dental health, he saw these communities tribes and stuff they didn't brush their teeth they had perfect teeth perfect right. and, you know they and, and not, what their uh their jaws were bigger on average so the teeth actually had room like they didn't have to get their wisdom teeth out no i wish i i wish i knew about that back when i would have kept my wisdom teeth because i didn't have any problems with them they just suggested i do it this is why they suggest because I work was working at a company that had an insurance plan, dental insurance. They said before you leave, you should get the insurance to cover your extraction so you don't have to do it later. So it was just like a let's just do it because you got the money available. Like that that was the logic, not as of a medical need or anything. It was just some sort of practicality. And now I wish I had them, yeah. you know, because you can actually use your own wisdom teeth. Their wisdom teeth are supposed to be in your some of your extra set. And they even say we used to live long enough where we'd grow a third set of teeth as well. You know, and where did that all come into to play? Yeah. And oh man, we could go on about like formatting the palate and uh, one more quick question. What is syphilis in your mind? Because that's a big thing with with people with gay men. Oh, syphilis and spirochetes and what is that? Is that a parasite? I think uh, I haven't looked at syphilis in great detail, but Don and David have in that book. 
others. I'm gonna have to read this on. on the yeah, side. they they go into that. I would read that. They they talk about the research on that one. Um, I think there always there's a toxicity yes. somewhere. Yeah. So you can just you can already go like if you have questions about any of the particulars, just mm-hmm. go. There's a toxin somewhere. Yeah. That's you're always going to see an ex, a toxic exposure and or a nutritional deficiency. Mm-hmm. That's so it's just which one is it? And mm-hmm. also when you have intimacy is there's different um, situations where you're really like cramming cells together and stuff too, right? Think about think about that maneuver and like kissing and like rubbing and stuff, right? There's other crossovers of non-self that can get involved that can cause like a temporary inflammation as well, right? So um, I usually think of sexual-based diseases. I have to consider the fact that there's actual really intimate contact that can be abrasive and can cause like... Mm particles to mingle and stuff like that can get into to even just temporarily. So it can cause an inflammatory response. I know some people that are like literally allergic to other people, <laughs> you know, yeah. by touching them, they get like a, a freaking hives or something. Right. So, so there's more to, there's more to the story. And also then think about field overlapping, like think about etheric fields, oh, yeah. think about, right. I mean, what's going on there. We haven't even, we haven't even talked about this, is like a whole topic of discussion that and in science and everything that's not even like touched upon mm-hmm. is the energetic transfers between people. I mean, I know, uh, what is it? Barbara Brennan, hands of light. She mm-hmm. was, a, she was a clairvoyant. So she could actually see when tendrils of energy and vibration were like overlapping on people. And she could actually visualize when people would have like an angry thought that it would come out of an arrow. And I saw that one time I did. I had a clairvoyant moment where I saw one, my anatomy teacher who was the nastiest piece of thing that would ever exist. She was a nasty, nasty woman. Mm-hmm. She was in my anatomy t- teacher in naturopathic college. And mm-hmm. one of the one, so we were, oh, you know, this is a cadaver lab here. We have an open human body. We're mm-hmm. talking over it. She's across from me. The student approaches her. Who's very chatty student. And I could just see her getting angry at her chitter chatteriness and this red arrow just comes out of her head just shoots out of her head and I was like whoa what did I just see come out of her head right like that's wild and I was like rubbing my eyes and wondering must be the chloroform or whatever the formaldehyde (laughs) affecting me right and but I but then I I realized because I hadn't read hands of light yet so later when i went to hands of light and i saw that red squiggly arrow i'm like i saw that that's a real thing that you can visualize now maybe it doesn't look like that but your mind translates it as that right fascinating stuff i mean like i said this is the dawn of our beautiful golden age it is it's the end of the lies the corruptness the evil the disgusting the satanic the whatever that crap is it's all coming to be seen so that we can put it down so it's done we don't want that anymore we're done with that story we're moving on to the story we've always held which is our divinity which is living our divinity in this place whatever this place is right and remembering who we are because we've been, they've been suppressing us and, and hiding our true nature from us for so long. You can only suppress something for so long. This is a fact. This is a law of this place. Right. You can't keep suppressing forever without a blowback. And he, we're at the blowback. 
right now. The boil is about to burst, <laughs> right? And might as well ride the top of that instead of go get all gooey up in it. <laughs> I'm not interested in cleaning that off personally. So I think I'll navigate around it a little bit better, right? <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for for all your wisdom and and it's really nice to it's always it's always really a treat to meet people who who are and I don't even like the term woke because the left has kind yeah. of come up with that term and then it's like they're woke for telling people to wear masks I'm like no that's not what it means <laughs> they just steal all our terminology like I hear them call people Karens who won't wear masks I'm like oh that's God. not what a Karen means dude we'll finish with this story because it's funny I I was in a coffee shop visiting my going to see my friend and we both weren't wearing masks and then this heavy set man with like a really tight mask on like looks at us and then the barista looks at us and she's like you know we're not going to serve you unless you're wearing masks and i said oh i've got a medical exemption and then she's like i need to see your papers and i was like uh, you're not allowed to ask me that and she's like no i called service canada and i i can ask you that and then um she okay. said the same thing to my friend. And then this heavy set man with the tight mask on looks at my friend and says, what are you going to be all Susan on us? <laughs> and, then, and then my friend was like, don't you mean Karen? <laughs> oh my God. That, oh, I wish you could have caught that on film. That would have gone viral right there. A whole lineup of people like waiting for their coffee. And there was this woman with like a huge blue surgical mask like that. And I was like, what's she going to say? And she kind of, she says, excuse me, excuse me. I'm like, hey, what now? And then she says, I just want to thank you guys for not wearing your face masks and for standing up for what's right. And it was just, it was like a SNL skit. And then finally the late, the barista was like, okay, fine. We'll serve you this time. Oh my God. Fine. <laughs> fine. You're not one of us, but we'll, we'll make an exception because that's how nice we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna be waiting for the apologies. I'm waiting for yeah, them. I know they never usually come, but anyway, I'm still gonna wait. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. And Thanks, uh, people can go to yummy .doctor. Uh, yumnaturals.store is back up and running, and healingwithdmso.com. And here she is. There'll be a part two eventually. Once I can, I've got a lot of goals. I got a lot of plans. I got things in the move, in the in motion. There's all these moving parts. So once that all, once everything I'm doing is in its next phase and I'm settled in that, then I'll be able to do more writing and more teaching because that's where I've got to, I've got to get apprentices to make the products that I make and, and get the, the, the new facilities going so that I can still make the medicine that's so important and but teach people to do it properly because it's very specific what i do right so i have to have apprentices so mm -hmm. once that's done then there'll be the other apprentices which will be teaching them how to do what real healing is that's because awesome. all of the holistic you know practitioners that are out there they're all co-opted under the licensing systems and they yeah. they can't be real healers right that's so we need to have a whole new school for it so. my one actually one of my friends who i used to sing with we actually opened for christiane northrup when she came here she was like oh like i love amanda she like helped me heal i think her her, her brother died or something last year the year before and you really helped her so um you've really touched a lot of lives um all over the place so thank you for for uh everything you do
That's great to hear. Wow. That's like, woo, that's Christine. Yeah. <laughs> a few days ago, she just sent me a message. She's like, cause I've been retweeting a lot of your stuff and she's like, oh my God, I, I like worked with Amanda. She was so helpful. Got me through this difficult time. I didn't have to see an allopathic physician because of her. And yeah, so that, that was really uh, inspiring to hear. Wow. That's really cool. Well, thank you. Well, this was what, this was epic. I think we'll have to split this up into like multiple ah. podcasts or something. Or this is like almost three hours. <laughs> this is the longest interview I've ever done. Thank you for your, your time. You're welcome. Uh, but I know people are going to enjoy it and benefit from it. And, you know, I've kind of created a little community because I got kicked off uh, Instagram about a year ago for, for having too many shirtless photos of myself. Um, I don't know why. I guess I was just too sexy or something. But yeah, you were burning a hole in IG right there. Yeah. So I started a new one last year uh, around this time called the Wild, at the Wild Naked Man. And um, so one of my mentors, he's like, "We'll just make it private this time." So you know, I've what I've done is I've kind of just cherry picked who I allow to follow me because that's my little community, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, if somebody's all masked up in all of their photos and they want to follow me, I just ban them. Like they're not going to like my content. So, you know, it's, so it's, it's kind of a fun little community and, uh, you know, I've, I have had to block and ban a lot of people over the last year, not because my heart wanted to, but because of my own increasing self-respect and cherishing of self. Perfect. That's where we're headed. Exactly. And then we model that for others, right? We're, we're becoming that a true leader is a model for others to follow, right? It's not a dictator. It's not telling you what to do. That's a mistake. It's not leadership. Leadership is the proper format of modeling and, and, and showing the way here's the way, right? Here's how we can go. Here's an option of the way for you. And there's yeah. going to be different people for different ways, like different way showers for different types of yes. types of people who do yeah. things in those ways. So. talks about the indigo uh, versus the um, rainbow, the crystal versus the rainbow. So like, maybe you're more of like an indigo crystal. Maybe I am too, where like, we're kind of on the front lines. There is that sort of, we have to warrior up kind of energy. Yeah. Maybe there's other people who are meant to just kind of be the rainbows and just kind of be the, be the change. I don't know, but I thought that was interesting how there are kind of different dharmas for this time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You can see that there's there's different purposes and different energies that come through and all by design because we all are facets of, of these these parts right in the, in the never ending fractal. Right. It's always going to be ever changing. And so whatever is required at this time will be made. And that's you get that's true. To me, that's true faith. Faith is, is that inner knowing that it is all going to be well. It is meant to be in the the goodness that we are that's who we really are and that's going to shine through and that's what we have to go through the darkness we have to go through the suffering so that we can feel enough to to get that egg cracked open inside of us so that we can then step forward into our real power and not abuse it. You can't be a manifester. You're going to be manifesting well, birds flying through your house or some weird thing. You can't be doing that. You know what I mean? You got to be responsible if you're going to be a manifester. You got to be an adult. <laughs> like, I am going to manifest one million joints and I'm going to smoke them all. You know, like, this is just not going to work that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're getting there. We're getting there. But it was great. It was, this is great. I really, I really think this is fun and I hope everyone enjoys it and, you know, takes everything in stride and 
Mm. Um, and just starts doing the work for themselves. And um, yeah, and I always like to say, don't believe anything I say or Amanda says, do your own research. What's true for you? You know, um, Pub, PubMed, you can go on to PubMed and, and research studies. And, you know, Amanda did say that it is hard if you're sort of a layman to sort of understand things. But, you know, if when there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> yeah, you have to study and you, you have to learn to some degree if you want to you know, teach or you want, it depends on what your goal is. If you're just trying to understand it, there's a lot of people who have translated the information so that it's digestible you, and even with analogies and these sorts of things, right? So then look to that and that'll be the information that will help you. You don't have to read the studies necessarily, but, or you can just read the conclusion of the studies. You can, you can figure it out. It's not that difficult. So. And then go to Amanda's new YouTube channel because her last one got deleted, but Go to Yum. I was trying to find Yum Naturals, and I was. So I have two backups now. I have under my name. Okay. Yeah. I have one, and then I have the Yum Naturals. I think it's Yum Naturals Emporium one. Oh, my whole YouTube was deleted about six months ago, and it was. Yeah, mine was just after yours, I think. Yeah, because I didn't have everything backed up, and I was like, "Oh God!" And they they're they're not going to budge. So I know the feeling of having things deleted unexpectedly. But yeah. if you go to Amanda's new. YouTube channel. She's up re-uploaded things about the, the the AIDS hoax and COVID and her interview with Lester and uh, with David rather and Don Lester. Um, so there's just a lot of really good content on there that's really relatable, like understandable for for everyday people. So that's a really great resource. And you said also your website has yummy doctor has a lot of stuff under the blog. Uh, and the videos, like I've, I've got my own server. So I got videos backed up there. There's videos backed up on library and Odyssey from my original YouTube. So whatever, once I started to sync them, they did get copied over. I think the hardest part about that loss was that I'd had that account for like, I don't know, 15 years or something. Yeah. I had some massive playlists. I mean, I'm talking collections here yeah. that you just don't, you just don't get overnight. And that was, that was hurt me the most. Cause I didn't back up my collections. I didn't think to back up my collections and all my videos are backed up, but not, and also all the comments, all the intercourse, all the, you know, all of that discussion that's so valuable mm -hmm. that that felt like a, a loss. And that was just very unfair. And also they've uh, shadow banned my name. So if you tag my name in a post, like with a hashtag that, that post will automatically be shadow banned. It won't get reach. Well, you have to do tricks. <laughs> it's crazy. Like I was, I just got out of Facebook jail and I was, I'm in the Wim Hof singles group on Facebook. <laughs> and uh, so people were talking, you know, what do you think about mass and this and that? And I just, I just responded under the thing. I was like, oh, well, I really love the work of Amanda Vollmer and uh, Andy Kaufman um, and Stefan Lanka. And it wouldn't even let me post that. It said you violated Facebook's terms by saying Amanda Vollmer and Stefan Lanka and Annie Kaufman. And I was like, what? Yeah, is isn't that wild? I mean, that to me, that's a pretty substantial lawsuit that yep. could be done because you can block, a, 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 you can censor an idea or a topic, but to censor a person, their name that's prejudice and that's a lawsuit. So there, I don't know why they like to walk, all of these people are walking into big lawsuits. Actually, um, there's a group in BC, the Sovereign Nation of BC, of British Columbia. Yes, they're, they're called that, the Sovereign Nation of BC. And uh, they wanna talk to me and we're gonna do an Ontario chapter here. So, and guess what they did? 
They serve notice of liabilities to over 150 mayors. All right. We're doing it here. So they're all going to get their butts handed to them. You can't, you can't do that. Not legally, not, I mean, if, unless you're coming in full dictator and you're just going to break rule of law, you're going to be taking a task at some point, whether it's going to take a few years or not, whatever. But even when the whole thing happened with the World War II, they all got their butts handed to them. You know, the ones that didn't get put over to Project Paperclip, they got their butts handed. (laughs) Oh, man. But don't think you're getting away with it. That's my point. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, I got to go make some dinner for my gals. So Thank, thank you again. This was great. And uh, we'll talk again at some point if you want. And uh, we'll just keep keeping it real. Awesome. Thanks, Amanda. much again amanda for being on the show you are a wealth of knowledge and you're so funny and you are truly a renaissance woman in every sense of the word love you so much uh for everything that you stand for your bravery uh your wisdom your joy uh everything that you bring to the world is so needed at this time so thank you so much so much love to you uh please check out amanda's personal blog at yummy.doctor slash video You can also head over to yumnaturals.store to check out all of her really high-grade natural products that you can use to heal yourself, as well as um, healingwithdmso.com to learn more about her book, which I purchased, and it is freaking amazing, Uh, as well as patreon.com slash yumnaturals. All of these links will be in the show notes, and I just want to wish you all a beautiful day or evening or morning, wherever you are in the world. And be sure to check out my music at willblunderfield.ca. Have a beautiful day. Satnam. I began to feel grateful It was you I found Lessons learned Bridges crossed To get to where we are Let's lose ourselves In this moment We've come so far And we sing Rama, Rama, Rama
a river that we've discovered.